And we're the Y'all Show, back with you for a brand new week of discussing everything that goes on in the Southland. I'm John Rawl, and for the next three hours, we're going to get your week off and going big time with a conversation about what's going on in the South. And frankly, on today's show, we're going to take you a trip around the world, mostly to Afghanistan, to weigh in on the debacle that's been going on there in the last couple of days. We'll also have all the latest in sports news. The focus team today on our tour of the great Southern College football programs, getting you ready for the start of the 2021 season. We're going to be in Columbia SC today. It's all about the South Carolina Gamecocks as we get this week going with our spotlight. We only got three more weeks left of school. So 15 schools left, and the first of those 15 schools will be the Gamecocks. I'll tell you all about Shane Beamer, what he's doing there in year one. And he's got something to say about his quarterback, Luke Doty, going down with a little bit of an injury in the last couple of days. We'll get the Gamecock coach talking about that here in hour number one. We also have a lot of history to talk about here on the Y'all Show today. And to help us with that, we have on Mondays our Takapola Storyteller drop by. And he does a fantastic job when we're able to get him and be on the show with us. It's Jerry Short. And do you know what, everybody? We've got the Takapola Storyteller right here with us today. And he's going to be on to discuss what's going on in Takapola and in Afghanistan, perhaps. And he's also going to talk about what today is. As part of our Southern history here in hour number one, we mark a solemn day in Southern and American music history. And that was a day Jerry Short was a part of. August 16th, 1977. Hello, Jerry. Welcome into the Y'all Show. Let me get the right microphone. You got me? Uh, yep, we got you there. Got me now? Yes, sir. Oh, it's great to be here. Uh, I just hate uh, thinking about what happened on this day a few years back. Uh, more, more than, than a few, few yeah, but don't say few. that. What I'm happened? What happened? And we're going to talk to you in detail about this going forward but where were you what was going on in 1977 well i was working for a timber company out of new york city and uh i was being audited that day and uh i was with an auditor from new york city and i'd been telling him that day some stuff come up about elvis since he was an elvis fan from new york and i said you know you're not gonna believe this but we we, we're possibly fifth six seven eight tenth cousins or so but uh and then, so he thought I was family, and we got back to the office that afternoon. And uh, when we walked in the office, the first thing our secretary said was, and she knew I was a tremendous Elvis fan. She was a Conway Twitty person, but uh, she said uh, Jerry Elvis died today. And I said, "Look, Gage, don't even joke about those things. Cause, I mean, that's not even funny. I don't want to hear such a thing." She says, "No, Elvis died today. Y'all ain't had the radio on, and and this guy out of New York, he was really a nice guy." And, and uh, he said, really? And she said, yeah, you know I wouldn't tell you uh, anything like that. But Jerry's a big Elvis guy, so I thought I'd put it off on him. And, and he did. And uh, and he told me, he said, you know, we got a lot of auditing to do tomorrow and the next day. But since you're family, boy, so I just accepted that. And, since you're and, Elvis's yeah, family? He says, I know you're going to want to go to Memphis immediately, aren't you? And I said, yeah. So I did call my wife, and we went straight to Memphis that night. And it was a... Golly, you went to Graceland the night he died. 
and they had a show out of Jackson, Mississippi. All right, hold on, hold on. There, there's a lot I know you want to say. Guess I can what, say a lot. Jerry? We got to keep people tuned in. We don't want to give them all the goodies here to start oh, with. All right. so Jerry's going to tell you. Coming yeah, up. we got a lot more to say about the death of Elvis. In fact, if you would like to weigh in on the passage of Elvis and maybe ask Jerry about that day or that that couple of days, Jerry went to the funeral. Went to all. You know, they stopped the viewing of the body. Uh, the line was lined up. It was about 110 degrees in that line, and and Vernon just said, "Let's shut this thing down." Mm-hmm. And I talked to some of the Elvis people. That they said, you know, a lot of people were saying that it really was not Elvis, that that was a wax impersonation. Yeah. But he said no. He was over. He was one of the guards. He was one of the Elvis mafia. And he told me, he said, no, uh, I was there. Elvis is gone. Yeah. So. We're going to talk more. But if you have something you want to ask Jerry or weigh in, perhaps you were like Jerry back in 1977. You were part of the Graceland Memorial. The number to do that, to text us, to get in touch with us, 803-816-1170, 803-816-1170. Believe it or not, the death of Elvis and the history of that mark in our nation's history is just one of several things in Southern history going on this week, from revolutionary war battles that happened this week to we'll also discuss some of the other people who are having birthdays and more in our Southern history. One guy ended up being one of our American presidents born this week, and he was from a place called Arkansas. Oh, mercy. I guess I would know who that would <laughs> yes, be. Yes, you would. <laughs> so we've got history coming up later this hour, hour number two of the Y'all Show with John Rawl and Jerry Short today. We've got more from our Takapola storyteller, and we kind of set it up earlier. We're going to talk about Afghanistan, and we're going to tell you about some of the news here to start off this hour, but... Jerry, who served a long time in our nation's military in a reservist stand, uh, capacity, I'm going to weigh in with you and, and get your take on what I think is just an absolute embarrassment that's happened. John, I'm going to tell you, this is probably, uh, this is, you know, right in there with Saigon and Vietnam at the end of Vietnam. Uh, there's and, nothing more uh, similar to it. You see the helicopters similar. taking off? Same deal. You know, watching them push push helicopters off in the sea, in the China Sea watching all that stuff take place as that happened. And now this thing has come up, as our president said, that, hey, this is not going to be another Saigon. You won't see evacuation from the uh, American embassy. Well, that's he said new, that? He said that. He said that June 6th, 7th, oh, 8th. Really? And uh, we actually had that happen uh, yesterday oh, or today. And, and Jerry's going to have you mm-hmm. the price tag of that embassy that we're just walking away from. We'll never walking see again. Walking away. And frankly, I'm sorry, there are going to be, unfortunately, a lot of innocent-slash-American citizens, perhaps, yet that are come. not only murdered, but cut in two, likely. It's a lot yet to come. And, you know, all this, you know, you can blame so-and-so and so-and-so, but I rarely go back and blame the uh, Bush administration. You know, if we're going to war and we're going to Iran or Iraq or somewhere like that, let's go to Iraq and let's win the thing and come on out. You know, we're not there to be nation builders, mm-hmm. and we're not there to stay 20 years. You know, it'll be 20 years in another couple of weeks that we've been over there. So uh, think how many, how much money and how much how much blood we've lost in that period of time, monetarily and blood. It's and we have in our field. headlines in a second, the last name is Span. And if you've ever been around Brilliant in Hamilton, Alabama, there I remember when it happened. The very first American to die 
in 2001 in Afghanistan was from northwest Alabama. And his father is out talking about Johnny Michael Spann and how 20 years after his son died in Afghanistan, the first American to die there, just days after the Americans got revenge for September 11th, you could say the father of Spann now talking about well, the walking away, if you will, from Afghanistan. We have. And it really hurts people. I'm sure people that went there, you know, when we first went in over there, it was almost like it was a joke, like you'll take over immediately. When we go to Afghanistan, we got Green Beret riding camels, you know, into chasing Taliban. And I've talked to a friend of mine who's a Green Beret, and uh, he said that they, they really resented that. They kind of felt like that was an insult, that we came in on camelback and uh, chased them back up in the mountains. So you know they've got uh, they've got reason to resent us more than uh, people really realize because and they don't care over there they can wait a hundred years and they will and they'll, wait a, they'll wait a thousand years they wait a thousand it doesn't matter you know and as long as they get even some kind of way and that's what uh, this thing could just really blow up quick this time because we have left a lot of stuff over there from Humvees to all kind of military equipment to buildings that we built back and as you mentioned the embassy. Mm-hmm. And that price tag, a little early on giving that out, but that's $700 million embassy. Did you see what Angela Merkel said today, the Missed chancellor that. of Germany? No. She wants to bring 10,000 Afghans to Germany that are trying to evacuate. Oh, So okay. is that going to start a trend where we have all these uh, Afghan evacuees? I don't well, think we can get them out now. We can't get them out because if you saw those C-17s, that they were hanging onto the wings and hanging onto the side as they was taking off with whatever they could load in the back. Now, I've been in the back of a Galaxy 5, and uh, they're huge. You can put lots and lots of people in there, just just pack them in like sardines. But they don't have 10,000 people out at the airport. No, they they don't have them. And, you know, if if the tail end of that thing was down, and they were jumping on, and they were on it, and they pulled it back up, but it was taking off Hmm. when they were hanging on the sides Hmm. and running along beside it. So, you know, we've got a thing that really, it appears to me... uh, to actually be a little bit worse than Saigon because... These people are mad. These people, they, these people are mad. They've already come over here or influenced this country 20 years ago and helped kill a lot of Americans. They have more of a reason to come now and influence, and they're getting the help of places like China. Well, Taliban, you know, they were our allies against Russia, yeah. against the Soviet Union, you know, back in that day. We furnished them with missiles and uh, ammunition to fight the Russians with. So, but then that all changed, you know, and then the Taliban uh, just kind of goes away with us, and then we just don't defend them anymore, and they become our enemy just overnight. Hmm. It's amazing how that works. Well, again, if you have something you want to talk to Jerry about, get his take, or if you've got something you want to relay here on the Y'all Show, we're certainly welcoming you to do that. Our lines are open, 803-816-1170. You can text or call the Y'all Show also today, kind of a, putting a spin on Afghanistan in hour two, Jerry, we're going to talk something I know you know nothing about nothing. in hour number two. That's women. You know oh, nothing mercy. about women. I, I remember a, a Miss America one time, but that's about it. Yeah. I guess. Well, in hour two, I'm going to get you to kind of put a, a women's perspective on Afghanistan, and I'm going to get you to take talk about something I know you also know nothing about, and that's the sorority world and the Greek world. Because there's something going on where some of our big colleges in the South are now changing up their schedules after getting woke for a number of years. And now they're having 
What is it called, the, Rush? They having Rush at uh, the University of Mississippi and last it, week. And Alabama, too, I believe, just yeah, had theirs. They had it last and, week. I and, drove through campus. And they've been jerking mm-hmm. those Rush weeks. They in, had moved that all the way to about the second or third week of school. Yeah, to try to keep people and, enrolled. Uh, and now these colleges are making some big changes. And we'll talk about that in your own uh, price tag of having a daughter oh, be part of a sorority at one time. Tag. Yeah. That coming up, plus Melissa Rhodes has a southern accent on food that we'll be getting to on today's Y'all Show. Hour number three, we'll continue to talk more about the South Carolina Gamecocks. And, oddly enough, they have a connection to Elvis Presley there when you go to a game at Williams-Brice Stadium. Do you know what that connection is? Well, I've been to seven or eight games at Williams-Brice. Let's see. It's, they, it, play, it's, uh, they play – they play – Space Odyssey. There you go. There you go. I knew it did. Yes. Richard okay. Strauss's Sunrise. And mm. it's also known as the theme from a Space Odyssey. And Elvis took his own take on that when he'd come out in concert. Sure and did. We're going to play a little bit of that great song that the Gamecocks come running out on the field at Williams-Brice Stadium. When we talk about the traditions and the famous alumni, I wonder if I'm on that list. I did go to summer school there at the University of South Carolina. All that coming up in hour number three. Plus, we have more headlines and a preview of what's on this show the rest of the week. We are Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. We better get into some news headlines, and there are lots of very important things going on news-wise across the Southland. And first off, let's give everybody the latest on Tropical Storm Fred as it has hit Florida coming in around Panama City. Have you seen, heard anything about this today? Because this uh, is just one of about 20 big no, news stories going not, on. Not today. There's so much going on. They've uh, said it was, uh, it'd come ashore, and uh, winds were, they were really for a, a major hurricane. Uh, they were at the bottom, I think, 40, 50 miles an hour or something like that, mm-hmm. with pretty good uh, rain. You know, counterclockwise, it'll blow some over towards Alabama, I'm sure. And maybe it touch a little in Mississippi and then come back across and go to the Carolinas. Yeah, Tropical Storm Fred making landfall on the Florida Panhandle today. A tropical storm warning issued for parts of the Panhandle. Again, around Panama City, Apalachicola, that area of the state. Tropical Storm Fred will spread heavy rain from the Gulf Coast into the southeast and mid-Atlantic. Fred made landfall near Cape San Blas, Florida, Today at 315, 2.15 Central with maximum sustained winds of 65 miles per hour. That's a little... Yeah, 65 still still not some I've been in, but that's uh But I didn't, I didn't think it'd get to that. I thought it was going to be 40 originally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure is. Yeah. So if I can pull this up real quick, everybody, courtesy of the Weather Channel and weather.com, we actually have a really updated story that I'm going to try to pass along real quick. Well, we've talked a lot about the forecast with Fred as far as what's going to happen along the coast, but we've got to keep in mind that when these storms make landfall, very often they'll still have some impacts pretty uh, deep into the land that they're making landfall on. And in this case, we're likely to see some flooding in parts of the Appalachians through the middle part of the week. Now, obviously, we've got the severe threat that's going to be going on fairly close to the coast, along with the risk for uh, excessive rainfall. That's from the Weather Prediction Center there. But beyond that time frame, we get into Tuesday, okay, the system's moving pretty quickly. So it's going to move up toward the north. It's going to move up the spine of the Appalachians. And we've got a uh, one little spot there in the western parts of the Carolinas 
and uh, North Georgia, where there's a pretty good chance that we'll see some flooding uh, within that area. Okay, now as far as whether the storm holds together in the northeast or not, it likely will to some degree, all right? It, it surely won't be as strong as uh, it will be in the southeast, but it's going to be a little bit of a rainy end to the week in the northeast, it looks like. All right, again, that from weather.com and the Weather Channel. And that area he was talking about getting, it looks like, a lot of rainfall over the next 24, 48 hours more, that, that's not right at the coast. That is the corner of Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina. We're talking Tacoa, Georgia, up around Westminster, South Carolina, around, uh, let's see, Cullowee, North Carolina, that little corner, the Highlands. You ever been up in there? Yeah, uh, just north of Savannah. No, Savannah's near Georgia. Oh, which side did you say? I said up in the mountains. Like there's. Oh, a, oh yeah, I've been up there. That's where they got that uh, runaway uh, killer that time. What's that little community? Looks like Switzerland. It's in the edge of the mountains there. We'll Start with an F. Fair. Franklin? Frank, maybe. There's Franklin, yeah. North Carolina. Yeah, the kind of in that area, right? Yeah. Off of 64 Highway? Yeah, yeah. But Highlands is a real exclusive area. Highlands, I've been there. That's got a lot of resort resort mm-hmm. area. Yeah. Yes, in Macon County, North Carolina. But it's very beautiful and very remote, and they're not used to getting lots and lots and lots of rainfall, it, and so be careful. Yeah, that's the reason I said it looked like Swiss. seemed like it had a lot of Swiss-style uh, hotels and cabins there. Yeah. Their most famous resident of Highlands, North Carolina, by the way, is the recently retired chief, what's the term? The the, Chief of police. No, 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 no. (laughs) He was Trump's guy, Mark. Oh, Messberg. Mark, the guy that was a congressman from North Carolina that ended up leaving there to go be Trump's right-hand man in the White House, guy that kind of sets the schedule. Mark Messenberg or Messenberg. How soon we forget. Yeah, really, it's been... A hot, long, long seven months. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's his seat that the guy, the young guy in the wheelchair, now has. Mm-hmm, right, right. Constantly on television, and and so yeah, uh, Madison Cawthorn is the guy that I'm referencing that's in the wheelchair, but his predecessor there. And again, how soon we soon forget uh, that was from that area is Mark Meadows. It Mark just Meadows. Yeah. How about that? We forget him so quickly, although he's still around. All right, that is going on, a tropical storm. And as I mentioned earlier, and we'll take it to break and talk some sports after the break, the father of Johnny Michael Spann, the CIA officer from Alabama who was the first American killed in Afghanistan back in 2001, Mr. Spann's father has put out a statement saying that we've been defeated. Mm. That from Johnny Spann, who, again, 20 years ago, his son, the first American known to be killed in combat in Afghanistan just days after the September 11th attack. See, now, we've never had to say we've been defeated uh, in a, like, so-called uh, war. Mm-hmm. We've, we've won the wars but lost uh, We've won all the battles but lost the wars politically before. Yeah. But I think this time it's the other way around. And it happened so fast. I mean, yeah. I, I really thought... It was good that we're getting out of Afghanistan, but you want to get out of it by handing it over to a halfway competent country well, that we've been lied to and, I guess, told that they, they were competent, and evidently they're not. He was pulling our military out first and the civilians second. Now, that doesn't make sense. You pull the civilians out first, 
then you pull the military. I didn't know that. Yes. Mr. Spann, who, again, son died 20 years ago, said, I've said many times how I watched that video from September 11th when we saw those people jumping out of those towers because they were going to die and they didn't want to be burned, so they jumped out to their death. And Mr. Spann lives in the city of Winfield in Alabama. And Mr. Spann goes on to add, we see the pictures this morning of people trying to grab hold of the airplanes as they're leaving. Mm. The plane's taken off and they're falling to their death because they know that they helped Americans. And they know they're going to die as soon as the Taliban gets their hands on them. How can America save face with this when we made promises that we don't keep? By leaving Afghanistan, we've been defeated. We're just handing it over to the Taliban. Again, those are the words of Mr. Johnny Spann of Winfield, Alabama, whose son, Johnny Michael Spann, known as Mike Spann, from Winfield, Alabama, the first American killed in Afghanistan 20 years ago. 20 years. He was probably already in the military when he was killed, when the war. When well, he the, was a CIA officer. He was a CIA so, officer. Yeah. Okay. You know, I almost made a mistake, and I say a mistake at the time. I thought it was a thing to do. I'd been out of the uh, reserve component for a pretty good while, and I'd, I was going to join back up immediately after 9-1-1. And the uh, recruiting NCO said, wait a minute, you're 55. And uh, we can probably get you back in, but it would take a lot of paperwork and a lot of pushing. So, you know, I, I need to thank that gentleman. Yeah. Because it would have been a wasted uh, however many years I would have stayed. Jerry, we got so much more news to cover today. It's a busy, busy start of the week here on the Y'all Show. We also, in hour number two, will catch you up with more of the news headlines, including more deaths from COVID-19. In fact, the Tangipoa Sheriff's Office in Louisiana losing two deputies over the weekend to COVID-19. And I know you know firsthand yeah. a county in Mississippi that's, that's right. being really hit by yeah, COVID-19. We, we we'll, lost a sheriff and a, uh, and a fire chief. Yes, I know. We'll share all that information coming up on Talk with a Southern, Southern Accent. But coming up after the break, we're going to give you the latest in some sports happenings from across the Southland. And don't forget, in just a few minutes, we'll let you know all about Shane Beamer and the 2021 South Carolina Gamecocks. That's our tour as we travel the South getting you ready for the start of the 2021 season. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with y'all. Why have you left the one you left me for? Has she heard like me that slam and door? Did you leave for good or just get bored? Why have you left the one you left me for? Is she what you wanted? Or has time changed your mind? Has your dream? Love gone crazy And what brings you here tonight Why have you left the one you left me for? We're back on Talk with a Southern Accent. We're going to give you a little sports talk here. I'm John Rawl with our very special guest, the Takapola Storyteller, sitting in today. We're going to get him to talk big time in hour number two. We're going to just have a little bits and pieces of our Takapola Storyteller in between, but the Takapolo storyteller, in addition to knowing things from way, way back in the good old days, he's also somewhat of a 
expert on sports and college football to be specific. And Jerry, there is a brand new AP poll, the AP Top 25 poll, and guess who's number one? Well, I'd have to probably say Alabama. Yeah, be close. That is correct. Okay, I ain't seen that. You are correct on that one. Alabama, number one in this poll, followed by Oklahoma. Oklahoma's always there. Clemson is not too far behind in the numbers. Clemson's at three. Ohio State at four. Georgia at five. A and M at six. Iowa State seven. Cincinnati, which had a great year last year, they still come into the season marching proudly there in the Queen City. They're number eight. Notre Dame at nine and. The Tar Heels of Mac Brown at number 10. So two SEC schools. Well, one is forthcoming if you want to consider Oklahoma SEC. That's true, but you not this one, year. you got one, two, three. Three of the top ten are SEC. Alabama, Georgia, Texas. Georgia was in there, okay. Yeah. Did I miss them? I may have. Yes, got three of the ten and another one coming in in Oklahoma. Texas, by the way. With Steve Starskeesian, the other forthcoming SEC member, ranked number 21. Other Southern schools, again, this is the AP preseason top 25 poll. I, I got a first single out North Carolina. Number 11? No, they're number 10. 10. Do you know what's going on there in the last couple of years? <sighs> Do you know who's their coach? Brown? No. Yeah, Mac Brown. Is he, he back? He, he went he, back. He went back. I thought I heard it. Yeah, and he's yeah. done a heck of a job. Mm. They gave A&M all they could handle in the Orange Bowl and nearly won that one. Oh, Mac. I always liked Mac when he was at, uh, was he at North Carolina State one time? No, he was at North Carolina. That's when I pulled my <laughs> shirt open. They were playing Mississippi State in the Peach Bowl. North and, Carolina was? Yeah. And you I had pulled a, your shirt open? Yeah, my jacket. And I had an old Miss uh, sweatshirt on. And he was coming out waiting on his team to come out of dress. And I said, beat him for me, coach. <laughs> and he laughed. He didn't even went to and Texas. did he? He laughed. He beat him. He, but he it did took, it for you. He did it just for me. And uh, But uh, I guess he went to Texas the next year or two. Yeah, I'm sure he did. But, yeah, yeah well, he came through for you then. But North yeah. Carolina's got a heck of a football team. And they've got a really talented young man from North Carolina, originally quarterback in that team. Also in the top 25 in this preseason poll, Dan Mullen. Remember him? Dan Mullen. I remember him well. He is at the Gators now. He's got the Gators number 13. Manny Diaz's Florida, Miami, Florida team. The Hurricanes check in at 14. A guy named Ed Orgeron's at 16. I know Mr. Orgeron pretty well, too. Yeah. How about old Ed? He's 16. And also in the top 25, we've mentioned Texas checks in at 21. The Chanticleers are at number 22. And you're Wait a here. minute now. Wait a minute now. What's this? What's the, this? Uh, the new powerhouse in college football. What's the nickname? They're the Chanticleers. The Chanticleers. Let's see who's changed here lately. <laughs> this team hadn't changed. They hadn't changed. They've always been a Chanticleer. Yeah, they just moved up. That's that why be, you haven't heard uh, of them. Coastal Carolina? That is. That okay. Is. That's good. Good All for you. Right. Good for me. The Sunbelt co-champion of Last year is in the top 25, and they share the top 25 with their co-champion from 2020, the Raging Cajuns Raging of Louisiana Cajun Lafayette. Lafayette. Coach mm. Napier's Cajuns, number 23. How about that, too, the top 25 from the Sun Belt Conference? Wait a minute. I didn't hear. How many SEC schools was in that second 10? Well, I just did the back 15. Oh. So, SEC, I mean, Jerry, this show's not just about the SEC. I know, I know. but that's what the Southeast, Jerry. Uh, not everybody in the Southeast loves the SEC. Okay, uh, Florida, LSU. Okay, two, and that's it. 
So we got five total. You got 20. out of the twenty. Got five out of twenty. Five out of twenty. So you Sun got has Got two. You got a fourth of them out of twenty. Not bad, but uh, no. but what I guess has I, been better. I'm not bragging on the SEC as much as I'm critiquing the ACC. Right. Clemson and North Carolina and Miami are three. You only have three ACC members in the top twenty-five. What about the Big Twelve? Oklahoma, who leaving? Oh, Iowa State. There, I mean, Matt Campbell's done a heck of a job. Iowa State. Iowa State. They're in the top ten at number seven. And then you've got from the Big Twelve also Texas. That's it. That's three, two three that are leaving. So that only leaves them one. Yeah, Iowa and I think State. Iowa State's searching. Yeah, they may have a home in the Big Ten. All that, of course, still to be determined. But that's your preseason Associated Press top 25. Not too remarkably different from what's going on in the coaches poll. By the way, in terms of the most national championships by conference, the SEC's got 11. The ACC in the last 15 seasons, SEC 11, ACC 3, Big Ten has one. Quite huh. a difference. So, yeah, it's quite a difference, but it also uh, ooh, it doesn't have a balanced uh, field in uh, NCAA football. Have right you now. kept up with what's going on in the last week with the Pac-12, Big 12, and ACC? No, Pac-12, Big 10, and ACC perhaps forming a pack. No, I really hadn't, but I was expecting To counter that. the SEC. Not necessarily they're going to form some conference. They're thinking about having – 16 teams or I don't know what they're thinking about but they're yeah. thinking they're thinking about something yeah have you I ever thought about something yeah you so you're talking you're talking Pac-10 and Atlantic what I used to be in my day that Atlantic Coast 8 which become 10-12 right well they've never had a number associated with the no, ACC uh, unlike the Pac whatever yeah. and the big whatever and although I think it's always been the Big 10 Big 10 always wanted to stick Big 10 when they had 11 and 12 yeah well know? they still got that yeah they still do but they had the Big 10 to start with as far as I know but yeah that's some of the goings on in college football right now one more college football related story Penn State transfer quarterback Will Levi's has been named Kentucky's starting quarterback huh. and we know now that a player with Kentucky has decided to leave that program. He's in the transfer portal. But a Penn State transfer now set up to be the starting QB for Coach Stoops' ball club. What position at Kentucky's leaving? The, there was a quarterback on the roster I'm going to try to dig up. So that probably was had something to do with it. Penn State. I, I would think the Nittany guy line. leaving yeah. Lexington was a guy hoping to be yeah. the be the new starting quarterback for the new year, and he ends up – it's Joey Gatwood. He's he the got, one leaving. Has he got a spot? No, he's le- – he, uh, To go to? He's I – don't, I don't – he's just putting his name in the transfer portal, uh, okay. to my knowledge. It's hmm. kind of a little, little late, and I think – I think it's too late. Team. I think it had to be done a month ago. Yeah. But he's deciding to take his toys and run somewhere else. Hmm. Joey Gatewood no longer with the Kentucky football program. But Kentucky, as we mentioned, which – a lot of people looking to Kentucky to yeah, improve so. this year. They've gone and won some bowl games here lately, and Coach Stoops, I think, is entering, I think, his ninth year. And Stoops is a good coach. Comes from a coaching family. Yeah. You know, his brother was a heck of a coach at Oklahoma. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I would say it's Kentucky's time to at least win eight or nine ball games, maybe. Well, they've been doing that. 
I think Kentucky mm-hmm. wants to win more like 11 or 12, maybe yeah. even 15. This is the Y'all Show Talk <laughs> with a Southern Accent. When we come back, speaking of college football, we're going to tell you about the University of South Carolina fighting Gamecocks. The Gamecocks are today's featured school on our tour across the southeast. Learn about Shane Beamer's first season. In fact, we'll hear from the new coach, a guy with a familiar last name in college football. That's coming up right after the break. It's John and Jerry from the Dixie Cafe. We'll be right back. The South and college football have enjoyed a love affair for more than 150 years. And the Y'all Show is getting y'all ready for the biggest year college football's ever had. We're on a 44-city tour of Dixie's great college football teams. John Rawl is getting you ready when the toe meets leather Labor Day weekend. So get your chin strap on and get ready for today's Southern College Football Tour stop. Here's Johnny. In just three Saturdays, college football on a Saturday is going to be back. And if you're lucky enough to be in Williams-Brice Stadium, you'll be hearing a little 2001, and you'll be hearing this song right here play as the Garnet and Black of the University of South Carolina hit the field. And they'll be saying on one side, game, and on the other side, Cox. All right, that will get you in the mood on a game day in Columbia for sure. I'm John Rawl. Welcome back to Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. We are on a tour of all that's going on across the South, getting you ready for college football start in, like I said, just about three weeks now. It'll be so much fun, and we'll be here throughout the rest of the college football season preparing you for each and every weekend on the gridiron. John Rawl joined by Jerry Short, the Takapola storyteller on this, the show that's all about the Southeast. And when the Gamecocks suit up on that first Saturday, September 4th, it's the Panthers coming down for a game at Williams-Brice Stadium. It's not that team that plays about 80 miles up the road, Interstate 77, called the Carolina Panthers. It's EIU, Eastern Illinois, which had a guy named Tony Romo quarterback in that program once. And this OVC team is the Gamecocks' first opponent on September 4th. Then the Gamecocks travel to Greenville, not the one in South Carolina. They're not taking on Furman. No, they're going to Greenville, North Carolina for a game September 11th against East Carolina. Mike Houston's ball club looking to shock the East Carolina, or looking to shock South Carolina. The last time Mike Houston faced off against the South Carolina Gamecocks as a college football coach, it was in 2015 when his Citadel Bulldogs went into williams Bryce's Stadium and defeated the Gamecocks 23-22. The Gamecocks will be at UGA to start SEC play on September 18th. Then the Kentucky Wildcats and the aforementioned Coach Stoops comes into town for a game on September 25th. It's actually been a couple of years, I think, since South Carolina has defeated Kentucky on the gridiron. 
The Troy Strait Trojans, the Trojans of Troy, will be the opponent on October 2nd. Then a big game at Knoxville on October 9th against the Tennessee Vols. Vanderbilt and Clark Lee pay a visit to Williams-Brice Stadium on October 16th. Then the Gamecocks will get their bags packed and travel all the way out for the Bonham Trophy game against the Texas A&M Aggies on October 23rd. Then the Florida Gators will come into Columbia for a game the first Saturday in November. That's followed by a road trip to the Battle of Columbia rival for the Gamecocks. It's Missouri and the Gamecocks in Como this year. Auburn is the opponent back in Columbia for a game on November 20th. This is actually the second straight year Auburn will have played a game at Williams-Brice Stadium, and South Carolina defeated Auburn last year, one of the rare high notes in Will Muschamp's tenure at South Carolina. And then they've got another orange-clad Tiger team coming in November 27th. It's the Clemson Tigers for the season finale. Shane Beamer is the coach of this program. Shane Beamer is in his first year. It's his first time being a head coach in college football. And Jerry Short, that name Beamer, ought to sound somewhat familiar. Yeah, that's uh – Where'd he come from? Frank? Uh, Virginia Tech? Yeah, Frank Beamer was his daddy. Uh, I saw his daddy play. He played Ole Miss in the Liberty Bowl in uh, 64. I know, 66. Okay. And they got ahead 17 to nothing and messed around, and uh, Ole Miss come back and beat them uh, 32 to 16 or whatever way, doubled it. Ah, all right. Well, I'll double check you on that one. No, that's true. Okay. I'll double check you still. (laughs) Shane Bieber coaching of the Gamecocks. He's a guy that's about 42, 43 years old. He's not exactly a spring Gamecock. I should say chicken, but spring Gamecock. But he's a guy who, you know where Shane Beamer was actually born? Well, if he played in a 68 ball game in his the Liberty daddy, Bowl, His daddy. His daddy did. He would probably have been born around that time or a little after, yeah. say 70. So that gives him 30. He's 50 years old, I say. No, he's a little younger than that. He's in his early 40s. But Shane Beamer was actually born in South Carolina. He was born he, there. He was born in Charleston yeah. because his daddy, Frank, was an assistant uh, for Bobby Ross at the Citadel. Before he went to Virginia Tech. He was a Citadel football assistant. It was VMI then, I believe. I don't think we call it Virginia Tech. Well, he was an assistant coach at the Citadel back in the 70s. I'm talking about when they played the Liberty Bowl. No, it was VPI. VPI, that's what it was. Yeah. Because we didn't even know him as Virginia Tech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No. They, were, they were still the gobblers. Yeah, VPI Gobblers. Yeah. But, uh, yes, Shane Beamer, oddly enough, although he grew up his essentially his whole life in Blacksburg, he was born, oddly enough, in South Carolina. Now he's coaching his birth state's flagship program. And we're going to talk about the Gamecocks as a program for a second. This is a program that's been playing football since 1892. Jerry, they only came close one time to getting to a national championship. That was in 1984. I remember it well. It was, as a a guy growing up, as a Gamecock fan growing up, it was the greatest season until they played the Navy midshipmen. The South Carolina was 9-0. They had defeated Notre Dame. They had defeated Georgia that year. They had defeated NC State on the road. They defeated Florida State in front of a live ABC audience. Lost to Navy. And the next week they had a game against Navy followed by a game at Clemson. And Roger Staubach was gone from Navy. Yeah, they, they had a game. It was yeah. a, a, Napoleon McCallum, I believe, was yeah. the running back. I think so. And and they had a game at Navy sandwiched between Florida State and Clemson to close out the year. And they lost that game at Navy. And Navy wasn't even that good in 1984. No, happens occasionally. And, and, and they lost that game. 
and they could have gone on and played for the national championship. They did get a victory over Clemson. You and I were together last week, and I don't know why, but a uh, ESPN Classic was playing that 1984 South Carolina Clemson game on TV, a game that was not even aired live because that's in the days of yeah. they wouldn't broadcast teams live if they were on probation. But and was Clemson on. was on probation in 84. No, they wouldn't do it, and they'd get mad. Those those SIDs, I've been thrown off yeah. of the camera deck at Auburn when Auburn was on probation. Yeah. Well, anyway, mm. I've not seen a lot of that game until I saw it last yeah. week, and it's a game that I literally cried tears of joy when Mike Old scooted that ball across and, and got the victory in 1984. But, again, this is a program joining the SEC in 1992. Their first big win that year, one of the great – games of those crazy Raycom days, it was Johnny Majors' last game. At they Tennessee. defeated them in yeah. Columbia in 1992, and Majors was dismissed just a day or two later. In 92? 92. South Carolina. Surely Tennessee had gotten away from the uh, single wing by then. I think so. <laughs> That's when they had Tannehill. Yeah. That was Tannehill's oh, okay. first year as quarterback, mm-hmm. and they had this great little run of games, and they defeated Tennessee. Still had a losing record, but most of South Carolina's Athletic success in football has been mediocre at best. They've had some real good coaches. Though. They've had good coaches. My favorite coach was Joe Morrison, the former New York Giant. He was a good coach. And then he they've was. had Lou Holtz, a guy you've had, had a Lou chance Holtz to talk to. That I spoke to on the field and one just wanted to shake his hand. And, uh, <laughs> he had just got he just lost his tenth ball game or something. I think. Yeah, they went zero and eleven. But he one took year. it pretty good. Yeah, and then Spurrier comes in, and, and really the best year South Carolina's ever yeah. put together was with him. Although but he they, started off with just one or two wins, didn't he? No, he was more like six and five, seven and four. I know Ole Miss beat him over there that year, and I went out on the field and talked to him afterwards, and I think Ole Miss beat him. No. Did, not, they, did they lose? Did they beat Ole Miss? Uh uh, anyway, not not, not in, anyway. Two thousand four. That Holtz was still the coach. That was the loud. That was Bill Flowers catching that ball in the corner of the yeah, end zone from the uh, backup quarterback, Ethan so Flat. Flat. Yeah. yeah. Thank but, you. But uh, Spurrier, I told Spurrier at the time, I've been in Baton Rouge and Tiger Stadium a million times, and I had never seen a place that loud. You could not hear yourself. Spurrier had it turned around. And that's what I told him until his security said, get away from us, Nut. <laughs> he got away from me. Good, mm. good job, Steve Spur. South Carolina, again, this year is going to be a bit of a rebuild. And Shane Beamer is the newest coach after the last couple of years. Will Muschamp took over for Spurrier. And, again, mediocrity set in. He had one great win with his team at Georgia two years ago. And now – Shane Beamer, who was an assistant coach during the Spurrier years, in the early Spurrier years in Columbia, is back in Columbia leading this program, and he met with the media over this past weekend. Let's go in and hear from the Gamecocks' new head coach, and he starts off this clip talking about Luke Doty, the Myrtle Beach quarterback who's getting ready to enter his second year. Luke Doty went down with an injury, and Coach Shane Beamer talks about his Gamecock quarterback and more on the Garnet and Black. He got uh, stepped on in practice uh, yesterday in, in one of the very last uh, periods uh, on, a, on a red zone play. Uh, got stepped on, continued on, ran the ball in for a touchdown, actually. Uh, after, the, after practice, uh, foot started bothering him. He um, uh, got a ton of tests done. 
this morning. Right now, it's a uh, it's a sprain in that foot. Uh, thank God, it's not as serious as we thought. Uh, he uh, uh, he's questionable, I would say, for the first game. Right now, it is uh, not season ending. And uh, he's in great spirits. He was out here, uh, out here today uh, at the scrimmage, and then left to get some uh, uh, rehab work done to get it started to accelerate that process. But um, you know, we'll we'll reevaluate here in a couple weeks. But Luke's in great spirits, and uh, you know, optimistic he'll be able to play. You know, in the first game. But if he's not, it'll be shortly after that. And the team is in great spirits. I know there was a lot of doom and gloom. I saw and heard a lot about how uh, the the hopes of our season hinged on the results of an MRI, and frankly, or frankly, that's bullcrap. Uh, we've got a hell of a football team, and whether one guy's in or out, we got 117 other guys that are ready to step up, no matter who's out. We got Kevin Harris out right now. We haven't uh, just—it's not doom and gloom right now. It's a great opportunity for everybody else. Uh, Cam Smith is out right now. He's working hard to get back and to, and to overcome that. And we got a great group of guys that, frankly, I'm glad they don't listen to the outside narrative because the outside narrative, from what I was told today, was all doom and gloom, and the season's over, and oh my gosh, what are we going to do now? What we would have done if we had gotten back. Bad news on Luke is we would have come right out here and had a hell of a scrimmage this afternoon and gotten ready for Eastern Illinois, which is exactly what we did. Uh, Luke feels the same way. The entire team is excited about what we have going on. The entire team is excited about uh, where we are as a program right now and what we're doing in preseason camp, and the entire team is excited and cannot wait for practice this week and then September 4th in Williams-Brice Stadium, myself included. With that, I'll answer any questions. With Luke's absence, who took the majority of the first-team snaps today at quarterback? Uh, Jason Brown did today. Uh, Jason Brown worked some at quarterback. Connor Jordan worked some at quarterback. Um, uh, uh, Colton Gauthier worked some at quarterback. And uh, no reason to hide it. Let's give something to, to these teams something to work for to carry on. Joiner worked a little bit at quarterback today. So we've got some really good quarterbacks in our program. And uh, – uh, let's just eliminate any of the message board chatter and rumors and things like that. Carry on Joyner play some quarterback today. He may play some quarterback in the first game. So Eastern Illinois, East Carolina, Georgia, whoever we play until Luke gets back, uh, be ready because we've got that element in our offense also. All right, Shane Beamer not holding back when asked about his quarterback position. And Joyner, who he was just referencing there, was a guy who was a quarterback and then got sent over to the wide receiver position most of 2020. But the Gamecocks in Eastern Illinois, the first opponent. ESPN's FPI projections for Shane Beamer's program in 2021. USC, the one in Columbia, projected to finish 5-7. and seven. We will have more on the South Carolina Gamecocks in hour number three. You're going to hear about some of the famous alumni of USC, Columbia. And you're also going to learn more about the traditions of the South Carolina Gamecocks. When the Y'all Show comes back, we got some Elvis history and more. It's our Southern History Spotlight. John Rawl, Jerry Short from the Dixie Cafe. We'll be right back, y'all. Over to 
strange is all you'll find Yeah, it's hard to figure out what she's all about But she's woman through and through She's a complicated lady, so color my baby And we're back on the show that's all about the South and a bittersweet day for music fans around the world. It's the anniversary of the death of the king of rock and roll, Elvis Presley, dying at Graceland, August 16th, 1977. I am John Rawl. This is the Y'all Show Talk with a Southern Accent. we got our Takapola storyteller, Jerry Short, on with us. A special treat. He's hanging out the entire show today. And Elvis, a big influence on your life and... And we've already kind of teased a little bit about your finding out about the king of rock and roll dying. I was actually alive, Jerry, in 1977. And my memory of finding out about his death was going to pick up my brother from a swimming party at the lake. And the lady came out and said that Elvis had died. And I didn't really know who he was, but I had heard of him. Still amazing that you remember where you were. I know exactly where I was. And, you know, it's not many people you can say that about. No. No, you can't. 1977, you went up to Graceland the night he died? I went every day until he buried, until we buried him. Went down, to the, went down to the mausoleum when they put him in. George Klein and Margaret were there. You know, it was some event. Hmm. Hard to believe. 40? Seems like yesterday. Four years ago. Seemed like yesterday. When they come down the gate in the funeral procession and went down Elvis Presley Boulevard, went right into the cemetery. Hmm. Never saw so many flowers in your life. We'll talk more about Elvis if we can squeeze it in today. Today, also in history, the Battle of Camden, also known as the Battle of Camden Courthouse. That was a Revolutionary War battle, August 16, 1780. And it was a big defeat for the American patriots under the command of Horatio Gates as they lost to Lord Cornwallis. They had 900 Americans killed or wounded and 1,000 captured Ooh. in this battle in 1780. And if you know anything about Revolutionary War history, the war was over with in 1781. So Americans were getting their butts beat a year before they won the war. Before they won the war, that's right. And that's what happened in Camden, South Carolina. Camden is about 30, 40 miles east of Columbia on the way to the beach on uh, Interstate 20. Yeah, I think I got twisted around in Camden one time. Did you really? I was on my way to Orangeburg. You know, not well, too Camden's far. on the other side. The Camden, other way. Camden's on the way to Florence. Camden oh, is okay. east of Columbia on Interstate 20. Yeah. Yeah, you okay. were on 26 heading toward Charleston. Yeah, that's where I got uh, messed up. Yes, you did. <laughs> also, a person with a birthday this week, a fellow pretty famous in a couple of southern states, David Crockett, born August 17, 1786. Usually, when Jerry Short comes on our show, we play the Ballad of Davy Crockett. But Davy Crockett, a congressman from Tennessee from 1827 to 1831, and then got elected again in 1833 to 1835, a guy named Adam Huntsman defeated him after that return to Congress in 1835. And not far from where you're sitting, Jerry, do you know what Davy Crockett 
Cedar. I believe he planted some cedar. Had a guy plant some cedar trees. No, no. Mm-hmm. When he found out he had lost to Adam Huntsman. I'm going to the Alamo. He said, to hell with y'all. I'm going to Texas. That's, That's not right. exactly what he said, but he thought he, he would go on and He went and picked Jim Bowie up in Natchez, and they went on to the Alamo. I think so, and we yeah. know the rest of the story is he was killed at the Alamo in 1836. But Davy Crockett, the legendary Davy Crockett, born this week in 1786. Speaking of the volunteer state, it was Tennessee back in 1920 on this week in, 18, in 1920, August 18th of 1920, Tennessee became the last state to make it official because of Tennessee voting for this. The 19th Amendment became law. Women's suffrage. Women's suffrage happened because of Tennessee. And I read the other day, it was almost like it was, it was actually a show on TV that I was partially watching. I didn't have it totally zoomed in on my focus. But in some ways, I don't think a lot of people would have voted for it had they known what they were being called. No, they didn't. The governor of Tennessee was bringing them in under another. Brought them under another prefix. Yes, yeah, there you go. And in the end, Tennessee is the state needed to pass the 19th Amendment. And as we know from that women's suffrage, that movement from 101 years ago. Also born this week, born William Jefferson Bly Third, Mr. Bly became known ultimately as Bill Clinton. He was born in Hope, Arkansas, <laughs> August 19, 1946. Hope, Arkansas. Hope, there was also another governor from yep, Mr. Hope, Huckabee, Arkansas. Mr. Huckabee yeah. from there. But Bill Clinton with a birthday, he turned 75. I wonder what he's thinking as he turned 75. 75. Let's see. I could tell you what I'm thinking about myself, <laughs> but let's let that lie. Yeah, mm. we, we can definitely let that lie. And again, as we mentioned today, 1977, Elvis Presley passing away in Memphis, Tennessee, at Graceland. And I know everybody, if you were around, have some kind of Elvis memory or Elvis, some kind of connection to where you were. It's just like Pearl Harbor. It's just like yeah. September 11th. They had a living infamy. Yeah. December 7th, 41. Well, in case of Elvis, it was August 16th of the day that Elvis Presley officially died in Memphis, Tennessee, in Graceland specifically. And Americans and the world, frankly, are still in shock in some ways. If they know who he is, there actually are a handful of people out there who still don't know who Elvis Presley is. Do you know they used to say back in the uh, years ago that uh, the two names known mostly worldwide was Jesus and Elvis? I did not know that. That's what was said uh, many a time by many an expert. The king and, and then the real king. Yeah, right. The Y'all Show, Talk with a Southern Accent, with John Rawl, special guest here, Jerry Short. We will take a break. Come back. Hour number two is headed your way. We've got so much great stuff to pass along, including more news. And then Jerry and I will continue to discuss Afghanistan and the debacle that's taking place in Kabul and around that country as we speak. Plus, we'll also, in hour number two, tell you about sororities and Greek life in specific And we'll have Melissa Rhodes drop by with a southern accent on food. All that coming up. Your text and phone calls welcome, 803-816-1170. We'll be right back with more of the show that's all about the South.
With the rain in my shoes We're getting after it here on the show that covers everything in Dixie from the Dixie Cafe. We are the Y'all Show with General John Rawl, CSA, Certified Southern American, joined by a fellow CSA and Jerry Short. And we're here talking about Elvis, Afghanistan, COVID, and talking all things just Southern. We're deep fried Southern, and we're glad that you could be part of our Getting the Week Going edition of this here show. We've got our Takapola storyteller, Jerry Short, in the house, and we're going to have a great conversation with him about some of these current topics that are in the news as we walk through this hour. If you want to get involved with the Y'all Show, in addition to our text line at 803-816-1170, you also can find us on our website. It is y'all.com. It is the South's homepage, Y-A-L-L dot com. We're also available in email form. You can drop us a line. Mail, M-A-I-L, at y'all.com. Mail at y'all.com. And we're available to get your feedback 24-7. Jerry, hope you're doing well. Good to have you back in here for another hour. Mm, I'm ready to roll. I'm ready to roll. Right, we two got hours. One, we got two more to go. We've oh, already... I can handle them. Oh, you can? can? Them. You know I can talk. Well, I'll tell you what. If you can, I can handle talk. It, you throw some in me and I'll talk. I think it shows, the clock shows that I need to go take my siesta. So you can All just right, take it way? on over. All right. Well, let's talk about it. All right. Well, let's talk about it. Give me a topic now, right? All right. All right. Okay. One thing at a time there. All right. Let's talk about, unfortunately, COVID-19. We've already talked Mm. about the heartache of Afghanistan. We've talked about Tropical Storm Fred as it has hit the panhandle of Florida today with 65-mile-per-hour winds and moving in, likely going to soak northeast Georgia, the upstate of South Carolina, and Western North Carolina over the next 24 hours. Be careful. Asheville, North Carolina, expected to get about five inches of rain, by the way, out of this. So be very careful if you're listening to us in any of those portions of the southeast. But COVID-19, that's something we got to talk about with you too, Jerry. And Tangipoa Parish, that's Hammond, Louisiana. Two Tangipoa Sheriff's deputies have died from COVID-19 complications. As deputies, 59-year-old Sergeant... Gerald Sufsher and 69-year-old deputy Donnie Booty both passed away in Hammond, Louisiana area hospitals, according to a post from the Tangipoa Parish Sheriff's Deputy's Office. That is really bad. And, uh, you know, it seems to kind of, this new strand of Delta seems to be kind of, uh, I don't know if it's actually that many more deaths from it or not. The statistics they really well, don't well, bear that Well, listen to this. Out. I didn't tell you this part. Okay. These two deputies there in that one parish in one Louisiana parish, right. are now the third and fourth deputies from that same from that same same small county slash parish who yeah. have died of COVID nineteen complications. Oof, four you, sheriff's deputies, four from that sheriff's office dying of COVID nineteen. and that's Hammond, right? Hammond, yeah, and, which joins a big area. I mean, it's in a yeah, but you know, still just out not of a gigantic city. I know. And I'm bringing and this up today with you, Jerry, is because in a small Paul, area. Just outside of Takapola, you know of a... I know of uh, of sheriff of a county. Who's died died in the last week. He was first diagnosed with pneumonia and was in a hospital. 
And then as they were flying him to Memphis, he passed, and then they did an autopsy, and they said he had COVID. And then the day, two days afterwards, the chief of the uh, fire department died. So, and he had COVID. And both of these guys were about that same age group. You know, the sheriff was only 50 years old. And I say only 50. He had been a highway patrolman. He was in, you know, good shape. And he was a sheriff that had just won and been in office that long. So, uh, you know, it can hit close to home without you even know it. And and I've, I've heard of another one in the county south of us that died. And I think the sheriff of uh, the capital in Jackson, Hines, Hines County. County, died also. Yeah, he did. So, you know, that's two sheriffs that died within two weeks. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an ugly thing going on. And, again, this one parish sheriff's office in Louisiana, Tangipoa, with two deputies dying in just the last couple of days. A story out of Georgia. As one county, Jerry, this would be devastating for me, the county in Daughtry County, Georgia, is considering limiting the number of dollar stores within the county. Limiting the number of what? Dollar stores. Oh, Maybe mercy. They've got an abundance I mean, of Dollar Generals, Family Dollar, Dollar Max. That's like doing away with... Uh, that's my else's. Friday night right there. <laughs> I mean, when, you know, somebody must be favoring Walmart pretty strong. Oh, because you think that's what that is? I think Dollar General's cutting in on Walmart considerably. Because there's one on every corner in every country town in every four-way stop almost. Well, Jerry, tell me about this. You seem to be smarter than me. Oh, yeah. I stopped by my, not even my local. It was actually three other Dollar Generals closer to my house Sunday when I was out. But I did stop by this one Dollar General. And it's the second Dollar General in the last couple of days I've seen where there's hardly any detergent. There's a detergent shortage evidently going on. There is a shortage of my aftershave. That's I right. use that uh, Gillette after. I haven't seen that in a couple of weeks. What's going on, Jerry? I think what I heard, I heard that same situation. And I heard that a lot of people were using those liquids for uh, sanitation purposes. you got to be kidding me. No, I heard that. heard that on a... On a, one of the new uh, TV stations, at, uh, oh, you know, one of the new y'all net, TV, one of the new networks, yeah, y'all okay. network. But uh, they did mention that uh, people were starting to use other products, so I would think for, that's pr- for cleansing. For cleanliness. cleanliness. So you know, after you think about shaving uh, cream. Well, I'm not. And, I'm, uh, I'm talking about the after stuff. That's what I'm talking about too. Yeah. The ones that burn when you get it on your face well, after a shave. They feel good. I mean, yeah. I put it on my face it's, after it's I take a shave. It's pretty strong, like alcohol. Yeah, content it's not that. There's bit. there's actually the kinds that look like alcohol that mm-hmm. are available. Mm-hmm. The one I use is Gillette aftershave, and it's more of a cream, but well, it feels so, so good and and it smells good, but it's not. But it's a shortage of yours. Yeah, they don't have it. Dang. Um, and I got to shave. I got to have that baby face. You know, yeah, you 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 do look like you have that. But uh, <laughs> you know, we just we just come out of another paper shortage also. And I hadn't noticed it is as bad as it was. There, but it got bad about a month ago. You On know, paper, toilet paper, and 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 paper towels that you use in your house. But now they've kind of come back. And uh, so, you know, it seems like people hear about something. And they get paranoid that they're not going to be enough of it if they need it. And people buy more than they need. So I think the consumer may have something to do with it being too much of our products gone. Well, something's not right, Jerry. And if we get to a point where there's a shortage of things like that, I mean, we're not too far off from having shortage of 
real shortages of food. That's true. We, we had a shortage of bread, remember, right when this pandemic well, we got started. A great price increase on food too, and milk. Yeah, that's right. But the price increase is killing it too, and there is a shortage of it, and it could be a, a bigger shortage of food. And you think how many chickens they've put to death with it? Oh, have the, that disease that uh, I've got a friend at the Department of Agriculture, and they go out west where they cockfight a lot. And it don't take but just one little old cut and some blood, and they'll end up having to kill millions of chickens. So uh, those things can happen. Well, in Daughtry County, Georgia, commissioners are pushing back during a recent meeting when presented with a zoning request to approve a Dollar General store at an intersection. There's already a family dollar store just across the street. And one commissioner, Anthony Jones, with the brilliant quote, I just think there's one on every corner. <laughs> well, he's probably right, but uh, as far as I know, that's American way. It's capitalism, isn't it? Yeah, but if, if he doesn't like Dollar Generals, generally on most of your corners that are of, of any importance in today's world, you've got, if not a dollar store, and usually it's not a dollar store on the fancy corners, it's usually a pharmacy uh-huh. and a bank. But it's usually a Walgreens and a CVS across oh, the street from each yes, other. Yes, and then a bank is going to be and on And then a bank, it. and then... You know, I talked to a guy the other day. There was a new bank going into a town south of where I live in. Pretty good-sized town, about 20,000 people. But there's probably uh, eight or nine different branches of banks. And he told me, I asked him where the headquarters of this new one was located. And it was in the Delta in a small town called Belzona. And they have 22 branches in this small bank out of Belzona, Mississippi. And he says they're making money hands over foot. So what the heck's up with this? I think we're in the wrong business. It sounds like it to me, too, but I don't know why banks would be so lucrative at this time. Georgia is where we were. Let's go to North Carolina now. Wilmington, North Carolina, not exactly the most liberal city in the world. No. Two stone pedestals that once held Confederate monuments in this eastern North Carolina city have now been removed. The pedestals once held the statue of a guy everybody read about in their history books growing up. It held the statue of Confederate Attorney General George Davis. You remember old George? Yeah. You remember, remember the, name. the great battles he led as uh, Attorney General? Uh-huh. They just led them on. <laughs> we, won every, we won every Supreme Court battle we had. <laughs> yes. yes, there was a statue that held up Attorney General George Davis of the CSA. Another held up a memorial to Confederate war dead. Well, guess what? The statues and this other memorial was already relocated and they came in over the weekend and removed the two stone pedestals that held these things up and they had been put guess what where do you think they put these stone pedestals jerry the stone pedals that held the uh hold these people up like the, oh kind of like a mausoleum type thing well they just held up these markers i imagine they put them in a warehouse yep yep you're right yeah. on that they like to put stuff in warehouses and call it a museum. Yeah, that's where they've been put. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, they're supposed to go to the United Daughters of the Confederacy, which I didn't even know still existed. I didn't either. All we've got is Sons of Confederacy. And it's, it's barely hanging on. Yeah, and barely hanging on. But does a good job, to their credit. What? Yes, it's not their fault. Yeah, it's not their fault. Uh, it's not the UDC's fault. Mm-hmm. But uh, both wonderful organizations throughout time, but, but unfortunately, they've just been absolutely inundated with Things like this story on the Newswire says, Wilmington, North Carolina, pulled this trick because of Black Lives Matter protest in Wilmington. And the city council earlier this month voted 6-1 to to permanently remove 
these stone pedestals, of which didn't even say anything about the Confederacy, but they were once attached once to. Once attached to one. And so they got to go, Jerry. It's kind of like at Madison, Wisconsin, which we're not talking southern, but when you move a rock. Tell, tell people about that story real quick. Well, uh, Madison, Wisconsin, a rock was dug up, and it was pushed in there by the glaciers. And uh, uh, back in prehistoric times almost, uh, and uh, when he came, it was pushed into the bank just north of coming into Madison, Wisconsin, when you're going down to Camp Randall Field, where the University of Wisconsin plays. So uh, they dug it up, and at the time they dug it up, they used a, a derogatory name for the rock at that time, and they called it... Um, Kind of a Black Lives Matter situation. In 1925, they've only been able to find one place that that was ever written, and it was written in the Madison newspaper. And so uh, they have protested it there, that it be removed. And so it cost them 50 to $75 million to take this rock that the archaeology department had been studying for years, since 25. That's the reason they dug it up. Only the top part showed above the ground level, so they dug it completely out of the ground, and it sat there on the side of the road coming down Paternity uh, Road. I've been by it. Never even thought anything about it, but it was a big rock. But uh, they had to move it because they had so many complaints by some of these uh, uh, woke groups. They complained and complained, and they got it moved, and uh, through uh, private donations, they said they got it private donations. They moved it to a, uh, a part considerably off campus in the lower part across the lake, but it was still owned by the University of Wisconsin. That way it gives the uh, archaeology department a place to go study the rock that uh, the Ice Age glaciers pushed in there in uh thousands and thousands of years ago and uh, now they can go study it over there but it's in a place that it can't be seen and uh, some of the people that lived in Madison they were real vocal also about well we didn't have any idea that that was hurting people's feelings and it should have been moved so we lost a rock because of uh, somebody's feelings getting hurt or somebody dang uh taking it completely wrong taking it out of context because it was actually nothing but uh, something that the archaeology department at the University of Wisconsin used to study and they still have to use it to study but they can't study it in sight where it can be seen so. that's 2021 y'all what's up in 2021 also is our Takapola storyteller Jerry Short he's here with us on the y'all show we'll go to a quick break and when we come back, we will continue talking about what all is going on across the South with Jerry. And we're going to get his take on Afghanistan and the debacle there and some of the justification for Americans spending 20 years and costing thousands of Americans' lives in the process. That's coming up as we continue on with the show All About the South. If you want to get involved with our program, All About the South, you're certainly welcome to. We want to hear from you. A way to get in touch with us is to give us a ring, 803-816-1170. We're also available for you to check in with us via the website, y'all.com. Y'all is the South's homepage. Go there now and learn all of what's going on in your southern neighborhood. 
We'll continue with Jerry Short, Taco Polo Storyteller, our in-studio guest here at the Dixie Cafe. We'll be right back, y'all. And the Y'all Show is back. Welcome in to Talk with a Accent on All Things Southern. I'm John Rawl, and we here at the Y'all Show, broadcasting from the Dixie Cafe. T- tickled to have you aboard. Again, if you want to get involved with the program, very easy to do that. Our number, 803-816-1170. You also can find us on our website, y'all.com. The Takapola Storyteller is also here with us right now as we begin his weekly segment. And today we're very special. It's a very special treat for us because our storyteller is right here in the flesh with us for several hours. But we've got him now that we are able to talk to and and actually watch at y'all.com. Our Takapola storyteller, Jerry Short. Hello. Welcome back to the Y'all Show. Hey, John. We've talked about some good stuff. Hold up. Welcome back. I'm welcome back. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, we're glad and, to have uh, you. We talked about some really good stuff, and hey, we got lots more to talk about. So let's get started. We will do that again. The big story headlines today is what's going on with Afghanistan. The president Joe Biden talking about it and more. And if people are just tuning in, we've talked about it a little bit earlier in the show, Jerry. It's not been a very good day to be an American. It's been a bad day. It's been really a bad day. If, if you're a patriot. And you've got to live through what we're living through now and what we're afraid we may have to live through later. It's got to, it's got to come home to you because uh, <clears throat> history repeats itself. And we've kind of seen these things. <clears throat> excuse me. We've kind of seen these things happen before. You know, we talked earlier about Saigon after, after the Vietnam War. How we had to retreat and how we threw stuff into the sea. And, and the same thing's happening now in the desert. You know, and how the desert is. And, you know, I've trained in the desert. I've trained at National Training Center, NTC, in California. And it's a different world. It's a different way of, uh, it's a different concept. And, you know, it's kind of what makes me wonder about uh, 
what kind of officers we're actually turning out now because, you know, I've got confidence in most of our troops, but uh, it seems to me like our officers are playing too much politics and we're getting ourselves in situations where we can't win a war, we can win battles, but we can't win a war and then eventually we have to pull out. Now, 20 years in a place the size of Afghanistan and the type of people Afghanistan had to fight us. Just the other day I heard the president say that, uh, hey, there's no problem. The Taliban, uh, <clears throat> they only have 75,000 uh, fighters. And we have trained, personally trained, a quarter of a million soldiers from Afghanistan. And they can hold this off. And they can hold them out of cities. And they can hold them out of provinces. But they're not doing that. And that's, that's got people wondering, how can they take these towns so fast as the people we trained are retreating? You know, I, I've never seen a war where people just continually retreated, except we go back to the Gulf War maybe, and we saw Iran uh, as they retreated back from Kuwait. You know, they took off the Republican Army did, and they ran. We didn't follow them for some reason. And now the more I think about it, I, I think I understand why. I don't think we felt like we could get bogged down in a situation in the desert uh, with Iran because uh, we didn't do it here. We, you know, we rode camels in. We, we brought our stuff over there. We built embassies for $700 million. We did all kind of stuff. But has it helped? Obviously not if, you, <clears throat> if you're keeping up with what's happening today. Jerry, I just got an email in about the author of a book <clears throat> that is – about Afghanistan. Major General Jeffrey Schlossler authored the book Marathon War Leadership in Combat in Afghanistan and he is out on a book tour. I'm going to try to get him on the Y'all Show if we're able to and have again the author of this book and this is a man who knows a lot about Afghanistan. At one time he was the commanding general of the 101st Airborne and Regional Command East and his memoir of leadership in the chaos and fog of the Afghanistan war is out. Again, I'll try to get in touch with him. He's, he's letting everybody know today, hey, I have this book. You need to talk to me. I would be real interested to hear what our leadership and our uniformed services are saying about the absolute embarrassment that's happening today in Afghanistan. Well, I would also. <clears throat> and as you know, the Secretary of Defense has kind of been missing for four or five days. Has he? Yeah. And heard a word. Just like at Camp David, our president was at Camp David on vacation. And said he would get back with us on the yeah. Afghan war down the road. Well, I think he is doing it Monday, but, but it took him over Monday. two days. Yeah, Monday. What's going to happen between now? Uh, if we have to wait till next Monday, I wouldn't be surprised if we wouldn't have to wait till next Monday. Yeah. They'll have to have Secret Service people show him how to get to the podium like they did the other day. Did they really? Yeah, he, he was going to leave the podium after he spoke. You know, he, he will not take questions. See, I don't even watch this stuff, and I'm, that's a terrible thing to admit as a talk well, show host. I, I don't but. watch a lot because you can't watch a lot. If you do, you will it'll just turn you off so bad that you realize that, hey, if something's not done, you know, where are we going? And that's, that's, that's frightening. It really is frightening. But he was leaving the podium uh, this, uh, this weekend. And he had spoke about something. I don't even know what he spoke about. I just saw that part. But he's got Secret Service people, obviously, that will lead him around. And as he took a right to turn to go, he, he's supposed to take a right, about three steps, and then another right, and that takes him back into the White House, okay? 
Well, they got a Secret Service man standing on the grass out past the sidewalk, and he points for him to turn right and go in the court in the in the White House. He doesn't stop. He keeps coming, and the Secret Service guy keeps retreating, and he has to retreat all the way to the end of the bush row, behind the podium, and and then he turns him, and they turn him, and he goes around behind it and comes back to his right, and then in the back door of the White House. Now look, you know. If we've got that kind of leadership that uh, can't get inside the White House and can't take questions and refuses to take questions, do we need him? And a question is even worse, do we need the vice president that we have today? Do we need Harris as our president? Look what she's done being in charge of the border. True, but has she done something specifically to Afghanistan or about Afghanistan? She hasn't done anything. Okay. And uh, well, Jerry, one of the reasons I want to talk about Afghanistan in this subject, in this in this block, is we can we can point fingers at the Biden administration. It's very easy to do that. There's some who are going to point. In fact, Joe Biden's pointing his finger at the Trump administration. But we don't want to leave out the Bush administration. No, I can't leave Bush out. I mean, it's. Uh, now, most of this is on Biden because most he's the of one it is this, the way he's retreating. I mean, you know, like I said earlier, this, this is worse than Vietnam. Yeah, the way I said earlier, he's taking the military out first, then the civilians out. Well, that's, it should be the other way around. You know, I mean, if you don't have that kind of leadership or whoever's whoever his advisors are, they, I mean, he's got some awful advisors. And who's behind all this? Do you go back and do you think Obama? I don't think Obama knew enough to be in charge of anything. He had advisors. Somebody was pushing the Obama administration. Who was that? Who's doing this? You know? He don't know. Our president today doesn't know. Okay. He's well, just following steps, I think. Jerry, when we first, America first went over there, it, it and it wasn't just Afghanistan. It's been in other countries where we've been, let's be honest, the word the other side likes to use is imperialist. That's right. We've been over there putting our stamp on things as a country trying to be the do-gooders and these are parts of the world where frankly they're not like north america they are a million years apart from where we are and they will always be behind us it's not our job to go in there and make these places catch up with the 21st century you can't make a democracy out of some communistic uh socialist thinking well this is not even communism no. or socialism no. this is beyond this is all religious yeah. in nature yeah it is and, and and who are we to say that they have to go in and do things the way a judeo-christian society this we're, is we're not a national nation builder you know if we have a war the purpose of a war is to win it yeah i mean you're gonna have collateral you know damage and you're going to have all kind of damage. And you're going to lose people. And they're going to lose people. But the bottom line is win the war and come home. Don't You know, the Marshall Plan was already used. And it may have worked for dang 50 years. I don't know. But the Marshall this this deal I heard uh, today that we spent more money in Afghanistan than we did in the, all of the Marshall Plan. Now, you know, you're thinking that's about it. That's hard to believe. That's, it is hard to believe. You know. I don't know if it's uh, using today's currency or using just flat dollar for dollar. If you're using dollar for dollar, I can certainly see it. But, uh, I mean, one $700 million uh, embassy in Pakistan of all places, I mean, in, in Afghanistan of all places, I mean, $700 million? Why do you need something like that there? And then we did evacuate from the roof 
where he said we wouldn't do that like we did in Saigon. He, he made that statement in July. Jerry, last night I was tuning in, and I heard the same excuse or patting America on the back that I heard when Americans first went into Kabul and places like that. We're giving all these freedoms to women. We're teaching women education, and we're helping out women so much by doing these. By, the great America comes in and That's saves right. the women. Right. Again, these people live in a different millennium. These people don't care about women's equality, and they likely never will. I don't think the women, for the most part, care. You've got always exceptions, but they use their justification from a religious standpoint. Right. And who are we to right. go in there in the world that we live in in this country, which I'd say religion is trending downward in this country, to try to go into a place and tell them, well, y'all need to let women vote. I mean, that was the big thing. Women got to vote in Iraq. They got to vote in Afghanistan. Right. And and now every woman that voted is probably going to be killed. They got to take their burkers off. They're probably going to get beheaded. They took their burkers off. They was act, you know, Americanized sort of. So uh, you know, with that going, I tell you what worries me as much as anything is we started this stuff twenty years ago. Okay, a lot of these women weren't even born when we started this. They don't know that old school style that they're going to be forced to do. And you know what's coming at them? They have no idea. A lot of them. I would say death is likely coming to them. I know it. And that really worries you when you think that they don't have a clue what the Taliban has in store for them. And and they've been trying to get out of the country. You know, if you saw people hanging on those Mm C-17s trying to get out. But you can't get out. We can't get them all out. We couldn't get them out of Vietnam. I mean, it doesn't help that Kabul is sandwiched well in the borders of that country. It's a mountainous country. They're, they're, They're trapped. And there's nothing they can do, and and uh, every I mean I, I think our journalists, our CNNs of the world that are over there, they're going to get killed. In they my are. opinion, I heard a woman this morning early that was uh, in a uh, isolated area that they wouldn't uh, disclose where she was located. That she reported from because she was scared if she got out on the street. This lady was a lady yeah. with one of like uh, uh, one of the new networks and. Uh, they had to hide her out for her to report back to us what was happening outside. Now, you know, how do you get her out? How do you get out if all the military's gone? If the military's gone and she's just thrown in the middle of everybody, she better put a burker on and try to blend in. And then how do you blend in with what they're going to be doing to them? You know, women are the ones that are really going to pay for this. And it's not their fault. Like I said, a lot of them aren't even born when we started trying to change that country over there and training the Afghanistan soldiers. And don't forget, here on the Y'all Show, we are pro-women and pro-women sure. in America, sure. but again, in a large part of the world, not just just Afghanistan, there are portions, large portions of the world where it is not equal. In fact, this week, we just told you, we're celebrating the 101st year of this country of women not being equal. Suffrage, yeah. But just being allowed to vote, that's right. only a 101-year-old thing here in what's considered to be the most free and liberal-type country in the world. So to go to places where they don't even hardly know anything about a place called America and try to force our values on them, they're mad. And they're going to take it out on the people who went along with it in Afghanistan. And I hate to say it, they're likely going to try to get revenge part two like they did back in 2001 
against yeah. this country. I it's not so. going to be. It's so. not going to be a good thing. We well, are. I mean, this country is easily infiltrated now, coming in from the southern border. I mean, I've heard today too that Afghanistanians are maybe coming that route, that path, coming from Central America, South America, coming in. Not ones not, looking. Not the ones we want to come. Okay. But the other bunch. And we've talked about that before, and. And, you know, even if it's just one, that's one too many. That's one can do a lot of damage. One bombing on some uh, bridge across the Mississippi River can shut commerce down for a long time. And they have a lot of reasons, Jerry, to be very upset. I would say more upset now than they were 20 years ago. Oh, I think they are. Because I think I mentioned to you about coming in on the camels, and that offended them. It was like we were making fun of them. That we rode their camels in to chase them back up into the mountains. In the early days of in the war. Early, immediately, you know, the yeah. start of the war. We had Green Beret that got on camels and rode, camel, rode camels in. And, you know, they. I had a guy that was a Green Beret friend of mine told me that he had heard that they had said they would get even for that. You know? So, you know, you've just got so many things that are on, on the table now. You know, you think about what's going on in this administration. How many things they're doing that are wrong? And how many things are going wrong? And how many things are going bad? I mean, it's not just Afghanistan. I know we're talking Afghanistan, and we need to be talking Afghanistan because that's getting ready to blow up in our face if we don't do something. Because we can't send, what do you say, sending 5,000 troops where, back Where are they going to go? What, 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 what are they the going to do when they get in there? What's 5,000 more troops going to do when they get in well, there? What's 5,000 going to be compared to 100,000 that are all right there? As I mean, they grow and grow and grow. I mean, the uh, Taliban doesn't need to be in the mountains. They used to hide no, in caves, no, no. remember? Now no, no. They, they have the whole country. Well, I mean. Except maybe the airport, and that's fading fast. Alexander the Great couldn't, he, he couldn't defeat them. Hannibal couldn't defeat them. Uh, the Russians couldn't defeat them. Yeah. Uh, you know, and here we are over here thinking if we leave, it's changed all of a sudden. It don't work that way. Yeah. We're talking with our Takapolo storyteller, Jerry Short. This is Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. We will be right back. Stay tuned. We will switch over from talking about the hell that is Afghanistan to the heck that people like Jerry Short have had to endure through the years when they've had a daughter and a sorority. That's coming up right after the break here on Talk with a Southern Accent. And we'll have that. Plus your feedback, 803-816-1170. More of the show that's all about the South is coming right up. we're back we're back on talk with a southern accent i'm john rawl and we are y'all and powered by y'all.com the south's home page if you want to get in touch with us you're definitely welcome operators standing by 
70. Our Takapola storyteller, Jerry Short, on with us for just a handful more minutes on our visual here as we are broadcasting at y'all.com. You can watch it. You can also find us in podcast form and various options. And Jerry, did you have any idea that y'all can be listened to around the world? We're on Spotify. We're on the Apple Podcast app. We're on the TuneIn app. We're on the Stitcher app. And we're right there at y'all.com. Did you realize we were so many places? Well, uh, I had thought about that, but you may have to give me some kind of uh, sedative <laughs> if I start thinking about being all around the world with what I'm, what I sound like coming out of yeah. uh, the fields of Takapola. Takapola is where Jerry uh, is. And- anyway, um, it's uh, it's good that you uh, you're heard because you're getting the word out, and I think you get some conservative word out, and you get the South's word out, and heck, John, that uh, needs to be heard worldwide. Well, that's what we're working on, Jerry Short. Now, I was dumb when I was a youngster, Jerry, and I did not go to a college that had a Greek life. Greek I world. was not in a fraternity, and I was not in a sorority either. And so I missed out on that fun. But a lot of people who go to college were or still in a fraternity or sorority. And you are a fella who right. have put a daughter through one of the SEC member institutions Greek system. And one reason I'm talking about this here on the Y'all Show today is what's going on that you've heard of some of these colleges in recent years to try to diversify mm-hmm. and to try to maintain their enrollment. Many of these SEC or large schools push back rush. They to- did. They did that yeah. to keep the students enrolled past when they used to do it before school started. Well, they used to do it uh, two weeks before school started. You know, you would have rush week, and then you would be voted on, and then you would be uh, selected, or you would select. You had three choices after you went to all the sororities, you know. And um, so they had rush week last week at University of Mississippi. And I and noticed Alabama's doing it too, I think. Alabama did also. And the machine. I, I like to ride through and just watch how they act. Because all the sororities, if you get where you know them, if you know Kyos or Tridelts or KDs or whatever you know, they all do it a little bit different. They all, you know, my daughter was Rush chairman of one of them. And she brought all the wrecks home one time in the summer. Before that would be recommendations? Recommendations See, I, from. I don't even know. That they had to be scattered. You know, they had to be, you know, it was like a application for a. President of the United States, you had to read them, you know, and they'd go over them. Well, I'd read thousands of them. Well, all they'd be from all over the South, and uh, we'd read them and go over them and read them and go over them. But anyway, when you get up there, and uh, if you're not, if you don't uh, get in the Greek world, you're almost at some colleges. Some colleges take it a lot more serious than others. Some colleges go on with the Greek world and go on, and it's okay. But some, now, it's great networking. I'll give them credit for that. You can always find a job, usually, by some sorority sister or brother that has a good job that will locate a job for you when you get out of school. And that, that has helped my kids tremendously. But that would be as far as I'd go because it gets pretty expensive. And um, I tell you, the girls get where, you know, they all they, they get in their head before. If, you, if you're not a legacy, a legacy meaning, hey, your mother, your aunt, or someone, really close and you got to have a lot of recommendations from these people 
they were, say, a KD or a Tri-Delta or a Kyo. Well, one, 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 one of the uh, sororities may be a little upscale compared to the other one. So you try to go, you go to there, and the first day you go, you know, you say you go four days mm-hmm. before they decide. You go one day, and they give you ice water. So you drink ice water that day, and then you make the round, and they talk to you a little bit. Then you go another day, and the next day it may be tea or something. Then the next day you go, and it may be a little upscale, you know. Then you have to dress upscale a little bit. On, But I remember my daughter wanted to go. Uh, she didn't want to be in the one that was uh, the most upscale. So she was trying to make it to the third. I think the statute of limitations are up. Which one would that have been at the time? Kyle. Kyle was upscale. Mm-hmm. It was the most upscale one at that university. So she wanted to upscale, make upscale, snobby, maybe. Well, a little bit, maybe. So be, be but, wordy. But once you're in there, it's not that way because I I lived in the house that she was. But uh, anyway, the uh, uh, <clears throat> she wanted to make the third day, but they cut her. You go check the bulletin board at night to see which ones you can come back to the third day, the fourth day. Yeah. Well, she she was dropped the second day. She wanted to drop them the third day. She was going to drop them anyway. But she wanted to get to the third day, but she didn't. But uh, she got one of the good ones that she wanted. And as a matter of fact, she was in it with a CEO of a, a, a FedEx and uh, oh, the majority, Smith. yeah, the majority speaker of the house at the time. His daughter was one of hers. And uh, I would company. go watch him for Derby Day. They had practice for Derby Day where they put on a play and they do all this stuff. And I'd go, I'd go teach them a little history at night. Get them all gathered around. Uh, you can't live in the you can't live in a sorority house the first year. Then you got they can only take so many each year to each sorority. So uh, it gets to the point where hey, you're either in or you're out. And if you're in that sorority, some of the others may not even like you if in one of theirs. And they all got their own color. You know, you know, like they tried it was green, and uh, they'd wear green stuff. You know, and if you were around campus in intramural sports or something like that, and if you, you better have green on if you were to try that. I'm just using that as example, but I happen to remember that color. But uh, it uh, it's pretty costly also, and they have a lot of functions that are really upscale. And I tell you, they've gotten in a race now at this university. They're, they're tearing the house that was my daughter's house. Uh, it was a mansion, I thought. Well, they bulldozed it down, and they built one about five times that good. I think they've got a race to see who can have the best sorority or fraternity house on campus. And they're all antebellum homes that look like uh, Oak Alley in Louisiana. You've seen the movies. Yep. They all look similar to that. So, you know, that they're going to they're gonna price yourself out of existence. It looks to me like if... Speaking Daddy's of price, been, that's one reason I got you on here. So what would it... I know it's been a few years, but... It was pretty expensive to have a daughter in a well, sorority. Yeah, and one of the main things, too, you can't wear, you know, like she would say, well, we got a ball game Wednesday, and I'll say, okay, or we got a ball game Friday. And I, I mean, next, uh, not Wednesday, uh, this Saturday and the next Saturday. And I'd say, okay, good. She said, well, Daddy, I need, a, need another dress. I said, well, what's wrong with the dress you wore game one? <laughs> and she'd say, oh, I can't wear the same dress twice. So, you know, they don't give those kind of dresses away. So, I mean, that's just a small amount. But then, you, you know, they, they, you. they have a lot of parties. And you have to, if, at this particular university, if you're not in the Greek world, you almost don't exist. You know, my son 
he he went before four years before her, and he didn't like the fraternity life too much and he got out and of course he went on and graduated and left and but he says uh you know daddy if uh if you're not in the greek world up there don't go you know i love the place but uh i love sports blah 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 but uh it's awful. You get treated awful if you're not if you're not in the Greek world. And as fraternities, and I think they're having theirs this week. Okay. So well, again, one of the reasons we're bringing this up here on Talk with a Southern Accent is you mentioned that SEC school that you've been talking about. There's a story out this week on a couple of different news outlets about the University of Alabama and their sorority recruitment, which is either just finished or is still underway. But one article from Yahoo was, this was the year we all became obsessed with Alabama Rush. And part of that is because a lot of the sororities are using TikTok videos in their oh, recruitment. Gosh. And it's the door stack, if you yeah. know what that is. Yeah, I watch them. they got tents out front and yeah. they serve them there and then they give them. They all go around the same bag, same but, but literature. A, but typical, as much as it's nice to promote sororities here on the Y'all Show, and promote the South and sororities and fraternities yeah. are a part of the South's history. A lot of them were formed yeah. in the South. Yeah. There's one article from a website called Mashable that I know you're just dying yeah. to get a hold of this article. Oh, I am. Alabama wait. Rush TikToks are yeah. huge, but they also remind us of sororities' racist, elitist culture. Now, they are. They, 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 they do have well, you, kind of that you, reputation yeah. <laughs> before I stutter too long. Yeah. They do have that kind of reputation. Yeah. But right. I found it to be, you know, all the girls that was in her sorority, I loved every one of them. Did she and, have an integrated sorority? No. And uh, Did she have a elitist sorority? Uh, they didn't show it to me. Okay. All right. You know, but, uh, and they really, I don't think, really showed it to a lot of them. But uh, they are all uh, well-educated people. And they all have a network that they can find each other uh, positions, you know, or whatever. And they usually have a job coming out of college. But uh, it, it's pretty expensive. You have to, you know, you got dues at the house. You got food. You got all that kind of stuff. And they eat really well. And they have uh, house mothers. And they have uh, butlers. And they have those type of things. They did then. You know, I'm talking the 90s. I think she was rush chairman in 94 of this one i'm talking about hmm. but uh you know and that was with some high dollar i know we had a we had a uh we had a lunching uh after a ball game i was sitting between the ceo of fedex and uh and the uh majority speaker of the senate and i'm thinking the u.s senate u.s senate i'm okay. saying yeah, a guy from Taco Polo has zero business here. That is it? absolutely true. <laughs> and that guy from Taco Polo is Jerry Short, and he is with us on the Y'all Show. Thank you for stopping by. Great to catch up with you here with your Taco Polo Storyteller Enjoy Report. It, We're not done with you, though. Oh, no, I'm If you're staying. catching us on radio, you will continue to be enjoying Jerry Short for the next hour plus. We've got one more hour to go, but we also have a report coming up next from the great Melissa Rhodes. Melissa filing a southern accent on southern food that we definitely want to check out. But, again, for all of you going through Rush across the south, best of luck. And we'll be rooting you on, and we'll be screaming going down the street when we get our right fraternity or sorority. That's Rush on in there. Rush on in there. Thank you, Jerry. You're welcome. More of the show all about the south continues right after this.
southern accent. Here's what's cooking in the south from y'all.com. I'm Melissa Rhodes. At the end of summer, many gardeners end up with too many tomatoes. Healthy parenting website mamanatural.com has come up with a list of 28 things to do with too many tomatoes. Here we go. Eat them whole, fresh salsa, cooked salsa, skin cleanser, sunburn relief, make your own pasta sauce, tomato sandwiches, tomato soup, BLTs, tomato juice, tomato paste, grilled bruschetta, fried green tomatoes, tomato ketchup, homemade spaghetti sauce, homemade pizza sauce, grill them, marinate them, freeze them, can them, stuffed tomatoes, tricolored tomato salad, sun-dried tomatoes, tomato and fruit, the North African-inspired shakshuka, tomato basil garlic butter, barter or sell them, and last on the list of what to do with leftover summer tomatoes, give them away. Recipes, tips, headlines, and more at y'all.com. Did y'all get a pen and paper out and write all that down? If you didn't, I sure hope so. I got to look up that shakshuka, North African-inspired. Sounds delicious, especially if it's got tomatoes. Jerry Short, we're done with hour two. You like tomatoes? Oh, man, do I like tomatoes, and it's the time of the year to like them. Well, it is. We got another hour with our Taco Polo Storyteller sitting in here at the Dixie Cafe. Stay tuned if you want to get involved, 803-816-1170. We'll be back with our final hour of this, the show all about the South. And we got this last hour with Jerry Short right here at the Dixie Cafe. We are Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. I'm John Raw with Mr. Short, the Takapoli Takapola storyteller, and looks like you got something to say here in no, hour three. Thank you for uh, all your good work you're doing. And you know you're <laughs> sounding really good back there, looking good. I don't know about that. And speaking of looking good, well, let the audience decide just how good we look. Go to Facebook right now. There you go. And if you go there, look at y'all.com on Facebook. And the interview that we just did with you in the hour two portion of today's show, you can watch us, Jerry. How about that? That's pretty good if they don't think I'm Steve McQueen in the blob. Mm, I don't think so. <laughs> also, that will be posted at y'all.com later. It's y'all talk with a southern accent. We are here. We're having a good time. We want y'all to come see us here when you're passing through at the Dixie Cafe. In fact, Jerry, you and I talked to some good folks from Richmond, Kentucky. Boy, wasn't that fun. Earlier today, they were passing through here right before we went on air, and they were headed to Tunica. Tunica, Mississippi for a little And they might be passing back through here in a couple of hours, all out of money. (laughs) Setting backwards. (laughs) Yeah, or they could be striking it rich. Have you ever known anybody that went to Tunica and made lots of money? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've known people that uh, they outlawed. They were so good, they wouldn't even let them play. Hmm. And I know a couple of guys in the town that my son lives in that he would win so much at uh, yeah, what game? Uh, anything. Hmm. He learned them all. And there was another boy that studied law at uh, the University of Mississippi, and he was under a trust fund, and he studied everything to space law, and they run out of law, so he just stayed at the casino and didn't practice any law, and he won all the time till they outlawed him. What a lucky guy! What's he doing now? Uh, he's got a little law office set up, but I bet he don't spend 30 minutes a year in there. <laughs> Man, what, what was it? Maybe, maybe I got a surprise waiting on me here. When, well, I, go, mine, when mine, I go to the mailbox today, I could yeah. find out I'm a trust fund baby. If mine's not in the mailbox, I'm out of luck. I'm running out of time. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry, 
do you mind if this is getting a little personal but yeah. since we're talking about it yeah do you mind telling our great audience here at the all show our taco bowl storyteller yeah. how much you inherited from your father i mean it's well, a huge amount it is a huge amount and you know i felt really bad about it i felt so bad about it i went to i had two or three lawyers to try to straighten it out where it wouldn't look so bad but i got left it said to my son jerry short i leave the sum off are you ready yep now don't get shocked out of your seat i'm gonna give it i leave i leave the sum of one dollar one u.s dollar one u.s dollar and that was in 19 well actually the will can't was read in uh the very first of 70. This was your January biological 7th. and that only was my father. biological, and I was an only child. <laughs> so I wouldn't even have to split it. And he had about 360 acres and about 100 head of Hereford cattle and a liquor store. And uh, I don't know how much money was in uh, in old cans around the farm, <laughs> but I'm sure he had some stuck out because he was pretty tight. Uh, I know one time he bought a Larry Domino, the third bull from... Uh, I've heard you say that before. What is a Larry bull. Domino? Well, that was a breed. and uh, Why the name Larry Domino? You know, I don't know. I, I, I didn't learn that much with my dollar, but that's what it was. A, it was a Domino was a thing, and that was Larry Domino, the third. But there was Domino oh, was a okay. breed line. Oh, okay, okay. And I tell you who else bought there was Susan Hayward, if anybody remembers that old name from Hollywood. But uh, she would buy in Senatobia. This guy had a really good line. Well, anyway, the story is that uh, my daddy, he uh, he bought a 10,000. you love, even though he left the dollar. Oh, yeah, I love him. You know, he's a World War II veteran, fought at uh, Normandy, and fought in the Battle of the Bulge, and well, I went all the way to Russia line, so, you know, and came home. But uh, anyway, the uh, situation, <laughs> situation was that he gave $10,000 for a... Uh, Larry Domino the Third Bull, off of Larry Domino the Third. It was a it was a uh, yearling, and uh, he'd put those papers that he'd buy from them in a cigar box and look at them every night. Well, our house probably cost two thousand dollars, <laughs> and that bull calf cost cost ten thousand. So, you know that kind of upset me just a little bit, but not a lot, you know. But that's uh. You know, everybody to their own, and uh, that's where he wanted to spend his money. And he was a boxer in World War II and won a bunch of money and mm-hmm. came home and uh, and bought a herd of cattle and grew them from that and made lots of money. But uh, that dollar didn't go very far, John. No, I hope it uh, – I, ha- I hate that for you. Well, those things happen. Yeah, yeah, but you've got a good attitude about it. Oh, well, I have to. Jerry Short is our Taco Polo store general. That is not a – that is not a story. That is a true story. That is story. the absolute truth. I can pull the documentation his on that. His daddy left him $1 in $1. his will. $1. And he was an only child. That's what Steve. Man, that's awful. Isn't it? Yeah. Goodness gracious. And his mom had died earlier. She died six months before, four months before that, actually in August, about this time. And uh, he died December 31st of the same year. Hmm. And they were divorced. She had an employment agency in Memphis in a steric building. She took her daddy's farm she sold. And asked me that I want it, and I said, no, I'll be working in South Louisiana offshore all my life. Next thing I knew, I'm back up here looking at paperwork on somebody selling it and uh, selling the timber only. And, you know, that was in the 70s, and this happened in 64. And the timber alone was worth 1200 an acre. You're talking, that'll get you sick. Have you ever, to quote a guy named Fred Sanford, has anybody ever called you a big dummy? (laughs) 
uh, used to call me just a. I can't repeat some of those words I've been <laughs> called. <laughs> but yeah, I've been He's called. He's a dummy, a but we love Jerry. Short talk, a polar storyteller. Jerry, you also know a thing or two about sports. And here, as we start off our final hour on this Getting the Week Going edition of Talk with a Southern Accent, let's dive into some sports news here. And we'll start it off with some Kentucky Wildcat football quarterback news. As Joey Gatewood has left Kentucky's program, he's entered the NCAA transfer portal. And I'm not trying to read between the tea leaves here or between the bluegrass. I would think Gatewood's decision comes after Penn State transfer Will Levi's has been named UK's starting quarterback for 2021. I'll go along with you on that, and I'm also reading between the two leaves that uh, evidently they're planning on throwing the ball a lot. You think? Didn't you have a receiver transferred also? I don't know about that. Earlier I thought you mentioned a receiver, and then you got that quarterback. It sounds to me like the Stoops wants to throw the football. He just might want to do that at UK. UK trying to get back bowling and get to that double-digit win mark in 2021. How about this, Mark, coming from the Atlanta Falcons? And i got to pat my big buddy, my lifetime friend, my best friend's brother, who I'm pretty close to him, too. I thought I was your best friend. You're pretty close. Okay. But not not quite as close as this guy. Okay. Because I go back further. You go back a little. But uh, how about trainer Danny Long of the Atlanta Falcons? He is the Falcons COVID-19 czar. He's the guy in charge. Yeah. And the Atlanta Falcons today – putting out a statement that they are believed to be the first NFL team to be 100% vaccinated against COVID-19. Do you know what college recently announced they were 100%? I heard uh, a gentleman that uh, has got a website bragging that it was the University of Mississippi. Yeah, the lane train supposedly at mm-hmm. 100% capacity or COVID-19 vaccination. And now the Falcons right there north of Atlanta with their training facility, Danny Long, look him up. I just saw him two weeks ago. In fact, he wants me to send him a T-shirt. Well, send it. I will. I'll say happy 100% vaccination. That's right. Because he was getting – in fact, I was with him two weeks ago. It might have been three weeks ago, Friday night. Oh, you went to Atlanta to a uh, Braves ball game, well, I saw him in South Carolina. Okay. He, oh, was, okay. he got away to go see his parents, okay. which live about two miles from where I'm from. And we were hanging out. On a Friday night, he just got into town that day. I was a little stunned he wasn't with the Falcons because yeah. I knew they were about to start They should camp. be practicing some a little bit. Well, they hadn't quite started. They hadn't started. They were like two or three days away from Boy, it's time. But he snuck away from Atlanta yeah. for one last getaway, and he went to go see his parents and his brother and, I guess, me too. I've actually been to both of his weddings. So that shows how close I am to him. That's good. <laughs> I've been to a couple of best men, and I've been kicked out of them. But yeah. They're yeah. good. Yeah. So – I talked to him, and he got an alert at the table while we were having a – well, he was having an adult beverage. I was having a glass of sweet tea. A, I really was. I was having sweet tea. Oh, well, I believe sarsaparilla. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure. And he got an alert that one of his guys tested positive for COVID-19, and this hmm. was right before camp started. One of the players. One of the players. Now, yeah. I, I did not ask him who. I just said, is that somebody that's been with your team? And he said yes. Hmm. But he was the go-to guy for their COVID-19 procedures. So they've got protocol. somebody now strictly in charge of that. Well, he's he is he's the guy. That's what I mean. But he also is a trainer. He's the number two trainer within yeah. the program. But I'm bragging on Danny Long, Lexington, South Carolina's own University of South Carolina yeah. and uh-huh. Auburn University 
alumnus. He went to Auburn for his postgraduate work. He was on that 2004 Auburn team that went undefeated. 2004. Who quarterbacked you? Uh, I don't remember. Help me out, y'all. I know that's when they had Cadillac. Yeah, the they had Cadillac, back. and I'm trying to remember. What, what was that, Davis? No, it wasn't Davis. I don't remember his name. I don't. Anyway, go ahead. But Auburn was good, and he was there getting his postgraduate work in 2004. And, and anyway, good job, Danny. Falcons, again, with a 100% vaccination for COVID-19. Retired quarterback Alex Smith, he was most recently with the Washington football team. He's 2020, the comeback player of the year. He's now joined ESPN as an NFL analyst. Now, did you keep up with Alex Smith's story? No, I didn't. I'm sorry. He's a former Utah quarterback, Utah Utes, who played for many years with the 49ers, but he retired in April, ending his 16-season career. But several years ago, I think it was maybe the 2018 season, possibly 2019, the 37-year-old absolutely should have had his career ended then. He, He had a horrible injury. Yeah. And he had to go through intense work that and nearly cost him. He his right. rehabbed from 37 years old? Yeah. Uh, he suffered a leg fracture, compound leg fracture in 2018, and it nearly cost him his leg. He almost had to have yeah. it amputated. He came back from that, and he played some as a starting quarterback in 2020 oh, for the Washington football that is, team. That took some courage and luck, too. And In fact, Ron Rivera's team went on to win the NFC East in 2020. Yeah. And Smith was a part of it. The former number one overall pick back in 2005 by the Niners. But, yeah, now joining ESPN as an analyst, Alex Smith. So, congratulations to him on his future in the booth. That's great. A good guy. And, again, the comeback player of the year. And a really feel-good story right now when we need good stories. That's almost a comeback player forever. I mean, you know, at that age, at that that age, age and that severe of an injury. Oh man, he and and he did it with his kids and his wife in attendance. I remember seeing that clip from last year. Way to go, Alex Smith. This is y'all talk with the Southern Accent. When we come back, speaking of the University of South Kagalaki, Danny Long is alumnus, the trainer for the Falcons, but he also joins a whole list of great alumni of USC Columbia. When we come back, we'll share with you more of the famous alumni some of which I think you might even like Jerry Short. Well, I might know one or two. Yeah. You might know one or you see them on TV. We'll also talk about the traditions of the Gamecocks and also let you know what, more about the university itself. That is coming up next here on Y'all. The Y'all Show is on the road and stopping by 44 of the South's great college football towns as we get y'all ready for the start of the 2021 college football season. Tailgates, traditions, fight songs. Can you feel the excitement? Here's y'all show host John Rawl to fire y'all up with today's great Southern College Football Showcase. And today... Stop number 29 on our 44-city tour across the southeast. We're in my birth city, Columbia, South Carolina. It's the South Carolina Gamecocks of the Southeastern Conference. I am joined today by Jerry Short, our Taco Polo storyteller, who's covered a few ball games within the mm. friendly confines of Williams-Brice Stadium. And right here in this hour three of today's Y'all Show, as we talk about cocky and the Gamecock Nation and more, 
well, we need to be in the right spirit. And to do that, Jerry, we're going to play the fight song. But before this segment is over, I'm going to play a song that actually is probably the number one tradition for South Carolina Gamecock football games. And it has a connection to one Elvis Presley. But that's coming up. But up first, it's the fight song, of which I know the words, most of them, I think. I bet you do. It'd be like me knowing Dixon. And when it gets rough, that's when the cops get going. Hell to our colors of garden and black and Carolina pride have we. And this is where I get a little rusty. Yeah. Time to the goal line. USC will win today. Go Cox. So let's give a cheer. Carolina is here. The fighting game. Cox lead the way. And Jerry, you're an old timer. That song is a facsimile if you will of an old song called stepped to the rear do you remember an old like song from the 20s or 30s called step to the rear oh that gets even back that's before before elvis glenn miller (laughs) yeah it was somewhere in that time period yeah yeah. but yeah step to the rear was the inspiration behind the gamecocks fight song and that's part of the fun that we'll have with jerry here for the next few minutes as we discuss south carolina the latest stop on our tour across the southeast and Again, I'm from that part of the world. I'm not trying to make this about me, but I know a fair amount about South Carolina football. And I know, frankly, the tradition when you get into that, of which we will big in a minute, it's really neat stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it is. It, it's uh, neat stuff, but I will tell you, you as, a guy, up with it. Yeah. As, as, as a guy who grew up with it, yeah. as much as I like 2001 and the entrance into the stadium, that was built and created in 1983. Later. That's that the first year that came out. That was death. That came yeah. out in 83. That the, came out at LSU, the cock, didn't it? The cockabooses, of which they're known for there at williams Bryce Stadium, that was created somewhere about the time they joined the SEC. The with point, the, with the, the uh, 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 cabooses. Yeah, yeah, the cockabooses. Yeah. All those things are neat, and they're all part of college football tradition. But as a, a guy who liked this team growing up, the Clemson fans would laugh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, nothing's better than running down the hill. Which, oh. to their credit, it is something they started. Well, and, they started and touching it, the rock, they have a rock. Let me ask you: When did uh, South Carolina and Clemson? I think growing up as a kid in the fifties yeah. and sixties, I didn't know. I didn't remember them having this big rivalry like LSU and Ole Miss had at that time, or Ole Miss and Arkansas even, and then Mississippi well, State. No, they had a rivalry, but part of the reason it's not as big a deal as it as it is was because South Carolina just couldn't win enough. Is South Carolina won, even back then? Yeah, back then South Carolina would win maybe 30% of the time at most. But they weren't in the ACC the whole time, were they? They were together until 69. Paul Dietzel was the Dietzel coach. got them out of the yeah, at LSU. He and yeah. Frank McGuire. Yeah, McGuire okay. was a basketball okay. coach. But South Carolina and Clemson used to play every Thanksgiving, and it was called Big Thursday. They played like Ole Miss and State on Thanksgiving. They played at the fairground. Every year the game was played in at Columbia. <laughs> Oh, and, they played it there. Like, they, every year. It was called Big Thursday. And then in 1958, 59, somewhere in that period, Clemson, just like Auburn did, they got yeah. mad and they said, we want to play it at our campus. So yeah. they moved it and it, it's been rotating back and forth. But Clemson was always better. I hate to yeah. tell you this. I don't like Clemson. They were always better. They were always better. They were always better. I never would have thought that. And Clemson prior to 1959 <laughs> had been an all-male 
military school. Yeah, I knew. I sure one reason a, I wouldn't ever thought. Of course, it's you know. Kind it of wasn't like, the Citadel, which is far kind better like Texas military A&M, school. Texas A and M, you know. It's uh, but it was one of those land grant military yeah, schools like A and M, yeah, yeah. Mississippi A and M, Mississippi State. Out, Auburn had Auburn a military had component, but Clemson was an all male school. I guess LSU was a it was one also. Yeah, they had something like they had that. Yeah, land grant. Auburn was a land grant. Florida was a land grant. But but in the mm-hmm. end, Clemson was and still always. Other than the five years that Steve Spurrier's teams beat Clemson in two thousand five consecutive years, he did, and now Clemson's already matched that for probably multiple times. They no wonder they named five. that indoor practice facility after Steve Spurrier. Didn't they name it no. after him? I saw his name somewhere in that area when I drove by. There's something named after he and his wife right but, there in that area. But but it was originally named the Long Family Practice Facility, oh, and, okay. and something's happened with the Long Family. And it's not Danny who I was just talking about. Yeah, it's, it's a different. There one. was a pharmacy in the Columbia area, and, I, and, and it's what, what's crazy is they moved about twenty minutes away from their original location and built one in my hometown, Lexington, and they made a big deal out of it. And when within two years, the place was shut down. In fact, all of their pharmacies were shut down. I don't know what happened to the Long family, but that was the gigantic indoor practice facility that's just been built in the last must have sold four years. CVS or something like I don't that. know what happened, but they sure supposedly gave them a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, Speaking of that, I'll tell you a funny story since we're talking about South Carolina and money here with our Taco Polo storyteller, Jerry Short. How about this story, Jerry, that's sort of Gamecock athletics related, but it's just, it's just something we all need to be reminded of. So one of the most famous alumni of the University of South Carolina is Darla Moore. Darla Moore. Darla. You, is that a female Darla? It's, it's a Darla. D-A-R-L-A. Darla okay. Moore. Okay. She's about 70. She is from Lake City, South Carolina. And she has been very successful in life. And she's married successfully, too. To help illustrate how successful she is, she is one of two women who are members of Augusta National Golf Club. I know the other, yeah. The other one is Condoleezza Rice. Yeah. But Darla Moore is the other female. And she made a lot of money on Wall Street or something like that. The business school was named after her about 10 years ago. And they have this painting of Darla Moore hanging there that's, I've been told, probably about half the size of a football field. But she's still alive. She's still alive. Yeah. yeah. But her mom's not. Yeah. And a couple of months ago, her mama died. And Darla Moore, who's given tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars to her alma mater, did not receive a sympathy card or a call or anything from the University of South Carolina when her mama died. Hope she got more than a dollar. Yeah, but Clemson did send her a sympathy card or yeah. flowers or something. I'd have been there she, in person. She was ticked, to say the least. So I'm only bringing that up today. That kind of knocked some of the that, if you, funds if you've out. Given, well, I don't, know, I don't know exactly what happened, but they, they've had a leadership change in the last couple of months. The president okay. is out. Yeah. In fact, here's another stupid thing coming from the administration of the university they hired a guy who was actually a former general i was actually impressed they hired yeah i remember that a three-star general to come in and And west point alumnus that's what you needed you thought and so he had to tread through the whole darla moore crisis because i guess it falls on him for not showing up to the funeral or sending a flower or doing something when clemson did and i'm sure other colleges in the state did send sympathy when her mama died but guess what back in late May, I guess, or early May, whenever commencement was this past spring, this president of the University Mm -hmm. of South Carolina was the featured commencement speaker because last year, which would have been his first year, he didn't really have a chance to do commencement because of COVID. Yeah. So this year he was the main speaker. And at commencement, 
at his own college. Now he's a lieutenant general. He's a retired lieutenant general yeah, okay. who's now college president. Yeah. And a lot of woke people didn't want him to be hired when he was hired yeah. two years ago because they thought it should go to, frankly, a woman yeah. or a woman of color. And so this guy gets up and speaks before the people. His really first big appearance after being on the job, not just for a couple of months. He'd been there two years, but he hadn't had a chance to get out and do a big speech like a commencement speech, kind of an important role. Yeah. In the commencement speech, he made mistakes. But the most egregious mistake he made was he called the University of South Carolina, his own employer, the university, and he did it more than once. He called it the University of California. My gosh, he wasn't having dementia, was he? <laughs> I don't know. Uh-huh. But how could you call your place where you're the you're the, the president well, of? I know how our president of the United States does that, but I don't think the president of that university should do that. Yeah. Goodness gracious. Uh, let's just say he was out of there pretty soon after that. I though. would bet so. Yeah. You know? I mean, that, I it mean, would be time I, to I would even feel sorry for him if he called it accidentally University of Southern California. Because they Throw are, it together. they SC. are the kind of the similar in you name. You should have just said SC. But he called <laughs> it up. University of Southern, or, or rather, just the University of California, among other mistakes he made. So he ended up stepping down, and he also got accused, and, and rightfully so, of plagiarizing a portion of his commencement from a wow. very famous commencement. How old a gentleman was this? Uh, he Bob Caslin was his name, and let me. Double check here. I mean, you'd think it, the way he's talking there, he would be at least 60 plus, maybe 70. Yeah. Uh, 65 is what I see as Robert Castle, yeah, the, the now former president of the University of South Carolina. What a, what a bad story. But here on the Y'all Show, we're actually here to talk pro- positive yeah. about what's going on across the South Carolina landscape, the Gamecock series. As we were talking with Jerry Short, our Takapola storyteller, the Gamecocks are today's featured school. Stop number 30 on our 44-city tour across the southeast. By the way, on Tuesday's Y'all Show, it's the Georgia Institute of Technology. I know them pretty well. I'm the Ramblin' Rex from Georgia Tech. Yeah, they SEC. sure did. They beat Ole Miss in the 53 Sugar Bowl. Yeah, they did. Well, Georgia, Georgia Tech Tuesday. I could have been. Georgia Tech mm. Tuesday. Wednesday will be in College Station to talk about the Aggies. Thursday, Charlottesville at UVA. And on Friday, we've talked been about this team already a good bit today. It's all about the Kentucky Wildcats on our Friday, y'all, show. But back continuing on our discussion about South Carolina Gamecock sports and more. And this hour discussing some of the fun stuff that you'll find at the University of South Carolina. Well, first off, since we've been kind of critiquing the guy that just got fired, Bob Caslin, at the University of South Carolina. Let me tell you about the university itself. It started back in 1801. So 1801. Been around a while. Started at South gracious. Carolina College in Columbia. Its current leader is a past leader, a guy that retired but has to kind of step back in in an interim basis after Caslin had a landmine blow up in front of him with his commencement speech. Harry Pastides is back in charge on an interim basis of the University of South Carolina, which it, on its Columbia campus, there are 35,000 students, and they have multiple campuses in the state. System-wide, the University of South Carolina mm-hmm. has just over 52,000 students. They have campuses that, that are under them, that under, are under, under them. the umbrella of South Carolina. USC Upstate, for mm-hmm. example, they have the University of South Carolina Aiken, University of South Carolina Sumter, 
and my favorite, the University uh, – actually, what really is probably my favorite, USC Beaufort, because I'd love to hang out down there now one they day. have nothing to do with Citadel. No, no, no. no. Nobody has anything to do I with – I didn't think they did. The, uni- the, the University of South Carolina City. is the Citadel. That's right. But now, how about USC Saukahatchee? Dang. Don't want to leave them out. I, don't, I didn't know about them, but I'm <laughs> glad you brought, you brought them to my attention. Yes. Uh, some of your more famous alumni of the University of South Carolina, a guy named Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham. He went to undergrad and law school. We know him as a senator. We sure do. Senator mm. Lindsey Graham. How about a guy who is a country music star, but he's also been a true rock and roller, Darius Rucker of Hootie and the Blowfish, which well, got their start. I know start. the Hootie the Blowfish. Yeah, bunch. they got their start as USC students back I in I think here. I remember them being a student band. Mm-hmm. How about Fox in the morning? What's it called? Fox, Fox and Friends co-host Ainsley Earhart. Nice-looking young lady. Yep, from Columbia SC originally. Also from Irmo, South Carolina, another nice-looking TV personality, Lisa Gibbons. Remember yeah, her? Yeah, I remember her well. Oh, I love Lisa. Yeah, she did her, she did her part. She uh, you love her. Well, she, she, I interviewed her one time, and she helped me out. She called me right back after the interview, and she said... I'd like to have you on my syndicated show tonight if you're available. So I called and her. And made your day, right? Yeah, I was on her, what was it, Lisa at Night or something like yeah. that. I remember that. But uh, what is she doing now? Her mom had Alzheimer's, and so she was all over the Alzheimer's. She was taking care, and she had well, her own. Well, she was raising money for Yeah, yeah, yeah. She become, ca- yeah. kind of became a, a spokesperson for Alzheimer's. Lisa is a USC alum. She is a USC former cheerleader. Oh, I didn't know that. And a former Irmo Yellow Jacket, in case you always wanted I, to know. I wondered if they were Yellow Jackets. Irmo? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Irmo. I didn't really realize. Which is, is the little community. She's from a pretty unusual name. It's a collaboration, a combination of the names Irving and Moore, who were railroad people. That's how that town yeah. kind of stands out with its unusual name. Other famous people who are University of South Carolina alumni through the years, and they've actually had a pretty big list. Let me pull up uh, Rita Cosby. Oh, God, I love her voice. Yeah. She talks with that dang uh, hoarseness. She does. Oh, I like it. Yeah, Rita I Cosby, always like class Rita. of 1989. 89? Yep. That'd be she's, about right. She's, she still looks uh, younger, yeah. pretty young for her age. You also have a lot of people in sports. We'll come back to that in just a second. <clears throat> in the world of business, Hootie Johnson who was once the chairman of Bank of America. He was once the chairman of the Augusta National Golf Club, class of 1953, is a University of South Carolina alumnus, the late owner of the Houston Texans, a guy who made his fortune in Texas in the oil industry, Robert McNair. He was the owner of the Houston Texans when they were in Dallas? No, no, the current NFL. Oh, the current, okay. Yeah, yeah. And he was a former Gamecock football player. Also, you have... The president of, I didn't even know this, the president of Charlotte Motor Speedway, a big name in the world of NASCAR, Humpy Wheeler, is a game cock. In the world of politics, we mentioned already Lindsey Graham. How about Lee Atwater? Do you remember him? Yeah, well, sure. He was a spokesperson for uh, Bush. Bush, and uh, he died of cancer at yeah, a young age. Yeah, he sure did. He also really, went to Newberry College. Really a good guy. I like Lee. But Lee Atwater, big yeah. Kind of a Republican figure back in the 80s, mm-hmm. a University of South Carolina. I didn't know where he I knew he was from the East Coast. but I didn't Andrew Card, a guy who also worked for George W. Bush, he is a Gamecock, class of 1971. 
guy that you see on TV a lot these days is Bakari Sellers. He got his law degree at the University of South Carolina. And then you also have a guy who got his law degree there, the longtime U.S. Senator from South Carolina, Ernest Hollings, undergrad at the Citadel. Ernest Hollings was a South Carolina alumnus as well. And then when we circle back to some of the athletes, how about in basketball, the greatest basketball player to ever go to USC Columbia, Alex English. Do you remember that name? You know, I'm, I'd have to play Dennis. You don't know him? No. He played for the Denver Nuggets back in the what year? 80s, 70s and 80s. 80s. He was one of their best players. I wasn't really ever. keeping up with college basketball in the 80s. Well, yeah. he, he was NBA, but he was part oh. of the – back in the late 70s and early 80s, if you like college basketball, Frank McGuire had oh, come yeah, to South yeah, Carolina. Yeah. And I remember when Frank McGuire was there. And he had players like Bobby mm. Crimmins. Yeah, he had good teams. He had Mike Dunleavy, who's gone on and had a long career in the NBA. They were in the uh, same conference then, I believe, with Southern Miss. They were. They were in the, and that was in the 80s. Yeah. That was in the 80s. Yeah. But they were actually in the ACC. They won the ACC tournament, which was the way you won the conference. And, uh-huh. the, and they literally pulled out like days later because they got in a dispute and they became an independent for many years in the world of football from Gamecock land, how about Sterling Sharp, one of the only players who has his number two retired? Sterling, I don't know that name. You do know that name? Yeah. You know, Sterling Sharp, Shannon's older brother, yeah. was a tremendous wide receiver for the mm-hmm. Gamecocks. He had mm-hmm. his he had his number retired right when he was graduating. Yeah. They went ahead and retired yeah. it. And, yeah. and it wasn't because he was dying or it wasn't because – Just retired they just because he thought he deserved it. Yeah, he played years 85, 86, 87, 87. I went to his final college game, which was a Gator Bowl game against the LSU Tigers, a game the Tigers won in Jacksonville. Other Gamecock football players through the years worth a shout-out here is a couple of really good players. How about a guy who I don't think is that great, Jadeveon Clowney. Remember who? Jadeveon Clowney. What year? He went in the NFL – in 2014, he was the number one overall pick no, by the Texans. I, I, I don't think he's that good because he always takes plays off, and he's always switching teams. Yeah, he yeah, he changes know, teams yeah. every year. Yeah, he's a big, massive football player, but Jadeveon Clowney mm-hmm. that leaves some work out there. One of my favorite players growing up was Brad Edwards. You might remember Brad Edwards as the guy who played for the Washington Redskins, helped win the Super Bowl for the Redskins back in the 80s. He's a former Gamecock football player. Also, going way back, Alex Hawkins played for them. Alex Hawkins played you remember for him? him? Yeah, sure. Yeah, okay, all right. But he played for the Bears later? And he may like have. He may have. You know, that's a little yeah. bit before my time. But, yeah, he was – Troy, maybe. He played for the Colts and the Falcons. Colts and the Falcons. Yeah, yeah. Alex Hawkins. Didn't he do some TV, too? Uh, he may have. Another guy who played there was Dan Reeves. Yeah, I didn't know he played there. Dan Reeves, who was a quarterback and went on to be yeah. a Dallas Cowboy yeah. running back, he I was, think. He, was, he moved in. And then Landry gave him a chance to be a coach, and Dan Reeves had a great career as, as the Broncos and the Atlanta he Falcons coach. Was there, yeah, and he led the Falcons to the Super Bowl back in the late 90s. How about Heisman Trophy winner, 1980, George Rogers? Yeah, you can't forget him. 1980. Yeah, 1980. George Rogers winning the big trophy from a college football what, Who standpoint. played for South Carolina in 72, the year they beat the team I was pulling for? Uh, 72? 
and don't know. I don't. I don't know. They beat us in South Carolina. Yeah. I don't I know. know why we scheduled them. Yeah. And they just beat. They us. played them a couple times. Well, remember, South Carolina had just become an independent. Yeah, we played them twice. At that that time. And period. they beat us. And I bet the last play of two of the ball game. Yeah, it, it happens in, in football. All right, let's talk about traditions, and we'll move on from South Carolina talk here with Jerry Short, our Taco Bowl storyteller, our special guest. One of the traditions that have started up, you talk about your school, the school yeah. that you've seen lose to yeah. South Carolina. You and I were together on a early September night in 2009 when this tradition really kind of kicked off, Sandstorm. That's right. that crazy song that South Carolina started playing when they beat a number four ranked Jevin Sneed quarterback, yeah. Houston nut coach, Gamecock football team. And they started jumping up and down and spinning those towels. This crazy electronic dance song, Sandstorm, is a tradition now at South Carolina football games. It is. You remember that? Yeah. That game, that was the biggest win about they'd ever had at yeah. that time. Oh, now, they now that the place next right year, up. South Carolina beat a number one Alabama team. I think they were number one when they beat them. A tradition there at williams Bryce Stadium is Cocky, the great mascot, born in 1980, and he's just one of the most lovable mascots you'll see. In fact, he's one mascot in the 80, best 1980s 80? when it came out originally. That's about Co- the time we started having mascots. And he's got a good nickname, Cocky. Cocky is the Gamecocks' yeah. nickname. We talked about the Cockabooses outside yeah. of williams Bryce Stadium. That's on the, they parked up that's there on, on the, the south end zone. Rail on the south end zone mm-hmm. to the... More of the southeast. That's right. That's a tradition there. Also, at South Carolina games, you got Tiger Burn. That happens when South Carolina plays Clemson. It's a tradition that goes back some hundred plus years ago, where they light up a thirty-foot tall tiger, and it huh. is a way to show pride in what they hope that they they beat the Clemson Tigers. Now Clemson does a similar thing. They beat a drum or something for a couple of days when they had the Gamecocks on the schedule. Those are some of the traditions, again, of the South Carolina Gamecocks. But the game day tradition that probably stands out more than any was created in 1983 in his first season as the Gamecocks head football coach. Joe Morrison, who had been a wonderful New York football giant, actually his number retired from the Giants organization. He got into coaching and came into Columbia in 1983 and brought in a whole new style and a whole new look, yeah. new new uniforms new traditions and more, and it just caught on. And in his second year in 1984, the Gamecocks had their best season they've ever had, where they went all the way to number two in the polls. and they finished w- second. They didn't finish second. They oh. got to number two, oh. and then they lost to Navy. When oh, that's that Navy. When though. you lose to Navy, you kind of go, your ship starts sinking. And that's what happened to Joe Morrison's in 1980s. The 80s. It, it, you it, could it, lose to them in it, the 50s and the, yeah. the 40s. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, that, that's what happened. And so the Gamecocks that year – I don't even think finished in the top ten. But that was a tough way to go in 1984. But Joe Morrison, the man in black, whose tradition still carries on there, one of the great things he brought on was this song, 2001 A Space Odyssey. Boy, he pulled And it is what you will hear right before the team comes running out on the field. I know a lot of other places do the same thing, but they're the ones that kind of started this. And it was a great tradition. You hear it and just here before on, Elvis jumps and, out on and stage. Here on this day, speaking of Elvis, the day that he died in 1977, we're going to go to break with a little 2001 in honor, in honor of Coach Joe Morrison, in honor of Elvis Presley, and to get you fired up about this, the Gamecock Spotlight on this, the show all about the South. This is the Y'all Show. We'll be right back. Go Cox! Go Cox! 
I'm just an old jukebox junkie spending my time, spending my money feeding this habit with hardcore country. I'm just an old jukebox junkie. I can't stand it here. Music stop. I keep dropping my quarters in the slot. Only have a handful of minutes left here on this Monday edition of Talk with a Southern Accent. Y'all.com is the website. John Rawl and Jerry Short wrapping things up. Jerry, let's dive into one or two more news stories of the day before we get out of here. I know you're heartbroken. The NBA experience at Walt Disney World has been permanently closed, and it will not reopen. This opened in 2019 featuring 13 interactive elements and hands-on activities across 44,000 square feet and two floors and Walt Disney World Resort announcing today the NBA experience at Disney Springs permanently closed. You're going to have to cancel your vacation. you got to be kidding me. <laughs> I wasn't planning on going, but I know I'm not now. Yeah, all right. That's <laughs> one story. Also, how about this story out of Alabama, a car dealer there, Gives away $100,000 in vaccine incentives, and this comes after he nearly died of COVID-19. This is in Daphne on the eastern shore of Alabama. Sean Esfani is the owner of the SEAM Auto Group, and now he's overseeing this vaccine incentive program at Eastern Shore Toyota. People who are vaccinated are eligible for the $1,000 weekly drawings through October The incentive program open to Mobile and Baldwin County residents, and it is aimed at pushing up the region's poor vaccination rates. But the 58-year-old, who is a heart attack survivor from his late 30s when he had that, he's now in good health, but he is trying to help out his local community after a rough run of it with COVID-19 and willing to give away $100,000 in vaccine incentives. What are you giving away these days? Well, uh... I don't know, John. I, I'm going to have to be a little bit cheaper than him. Hmm. We don't might go. Him. Since I can give about a dollar, maybe I can give 10% of that. Yeah. Well, that is stories again coming to us today from throughout the southeast with news, items, and more. We'll take a quick break. The Y'all Show comes right back. We'll wrap things up. Roosevelt, you don't have to be so alone. Mr. Sykes there with a little I hate to be alone. John Rawl wrapping this y'all show Monday edition up. And I was not alone today. I had our Taco Polo storyteller squeezed up right next to me today. We were not social distancing. Jerry Short, thank you for being on with us. 
And you're welcome. We covered a lot of subjects, didn't we? We sure did. We some had a good, good time some doing not it, so we? good, some bad, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, Elvis, again, this marks oh. the 44th year of his passing. Yeah, and it's also the anniversary of him being uh, uh, assigned to the unit with uh, in Germany. Is that right? Yeah, on this day. How about that? I was wondering why a lot of that stuff was popping up on my YouTube account over the weekend. I'm not going to go down as the world's biggest Elvis fan, but I am intrigued by him, and I do watch the stuff about him. Man did a lot of good for people. I mean, he wasn't a Roosevelt Sykes like this guy singing in the background. Is. No, but he, you know, <laughs> but the women liked him, and that's what counted. <laughs> yeah, they might have liked Roosevelt, too. I don't know. Yeah, he might Roosevelt do. might still be with us. Let's uh, give everybody a little bit of a preview, Jerry, of what's coming up on the Tuesday Y'all Show. We've got, as we always do, so much fun stuff. Coming up on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent, we will talk about the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. They're trying to get better under Jeff Collins, and I'll discuss this ACC program's 2021 schedule and some of the great traditions at the place right off of North Avenue, the Georgia Institute That's of Technology. That's a good Technology. place. They Is, kicked me off their practice field one Did time. they really? Shame, shame. I was filming their practice. Jerry, you should have known better. Know. We'll talk about tech. We'll also talk barbecue on Tuesday's Y'all Show. On Wednesday's Y'all Show, We'll have more fun. Texas A&M will be our spotlight school that day. And we'll also share with you the latest bestsellers. On the Thursday All Show, Virginia is the spotlight school. And we'll take you to an entertainment report from Music Row in Nashville on the Thursday All Show. And on Friday, we're joined by Craig Faulkner and his fishing forecast. And that will be our very special treat coming your way on the Friday edition of Y'all. Plus, our Friday free-for-y'all. Kentucky is our spotlight college on that day. Jerry, thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day. Man. Thank you for being on the Y'all Show. You're welcome, and I enjoyed it a lot, so let's do it again someday. I think we will. John Rawl signing off. Y'all.com is our website. We'll see you back here on the Tuesday Show.